Quentin, how are you doing tonight? I'm I'm great, man. Um, I feel like you're underselling how funny that name actually is. <laughs> well, I stumbled <laughs> over it. I should have let I should let you deliver it next time. When you come up with one, you should deliver it. In fact, go for yeah. it. <laughs> uh, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. All right, all right. Whole intro. Perfect. Um, but no, I'm 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 good, man. I think someone just stole from the store I work at, so I got back here a little late. But uh, yeah, everything's. Cool. I'm having a having a good time. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I uh, I unfortunately don't have anything that interesting from work myself. Um, just uh, normal life. The sun is out, so the smoke is gone here in LA. So that's fun. Um, so yeah, it is tournament season, and we've got you've got multiple places in like the the g1 or uh, the voices of wrestling family who are uh podcasts that are covering everything you know if you if you like insufferable assholes you can listen to joe lanza if you uh enjoy you know decent human beings you can listen to john from wrestling omakase uh if you just pay for the the patreon to hear them covering all of these fucking insane tournaments that are going on in in japan uh we are not going to be covering all of it because we're not psychos um we also record weekly and 
even just doing the G1 weekly, which I I used to do on This Week in Wrestling, was such a fucking pain. Yeah. Every week, going through all like and trying to figure out when do you record because you normally record on the weekend. Okay, which day do we record? How many shows do we need to record all at once? How many nights of the G1 should we be covering all at once for the week? Like, really, is the format of doing the the nightly audio as much as you can, covering stuff like within twenty four hours of when it happened, and only covering one night at a time is really the best way to do it, but. You know, not everyone can devote that much time in their life to doing something like that. And, and I think that me and you both, like, don't really have a huge desire to talk about uh, every single match in the G1 this year, do we? Yeah, especially especially not this one. This one is, like, like, relatively like, still, like, all the same names that we, like, you know, yeah. appreciate and think are great wrestlers. But, like, I just feel, like, it's off. Like, we're in a fucked up space and time like and everything is just gonna feel off yeah for sure but uh but we will do a little um a little kind of talk about some stuff that is going on in the other tournaments like i said we'll primarily probably only cover g1 through but uh opening nights for both the champions carnival and uh the n1 um we both caught a bit of the champions carnival um, I watched everything but Yoshitatsu's match because fuck Yoshitatsu, and I don't care about all of the psychopaths who try to claim but, that. But but he, like, he got since good. He's left New Japan. He's really good he's, now. He's so good. Actually. Everyone, people keep fucking. People love to say that shit. He's actually much better now, and you don't you don't realize he's he's pretty good now. And people will say it, even though you tell them, I've seen what you're talking about. I see all no, the like, stuff that you no, say like, is good. Yeah, like, 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 no, I've watched all the same matches. I don't, like, I don't, yeah. like, I don't think they're good. Yeah, you're not tricking me. I, I'm not, like, one of these people who hasn't seen and is just going to take you at face value. I know that he's still been bad the whole fucking time. Like, he never got good. He's had terrible matches constantly. And now he's working a gimmick, or maybe it's for real. Of, like, being majorly back injured, so that makes his matches even worse. Um, so, yeah, fuck Yoshitatsu at this point. I'm sorry. Uh, but what I did watch, and I don't think this is one I think you didn't watch, Zeus versus uh, Ikemen, Jiro. Um, and uh, fine, fine match. The finish was wacky. I really liked the finish because Zeus just, like, cranks on Ikemen's neck with like a face lock with like an arm trapped kind of arm viced in between the legs kind of like um uh like when Danielson would do the elbows but rather than like the elbows he's just uh he's just cranking like a face lock and he does that until basically it looks like Jiro goes out the referee could even like stop the match i think on it sounds, a, it, sounds, it almost sounds like a stretch plum yeah i was i was going i was going to reference a stretch plum but it's not exactly like a stretch plum it's a little bit off just kind of the way he had it um, okay. And he just kind of like wrenches the neck because he's more. It's more like a, like I said, like a face lock and a, like a neck wrench. Um, right. And because like this is the stretch palm usually goes underneath the chin. Um, either way, he's uh, cranking the neck until he goes out, and then <laughs> the ref could stop it there. Like I said, like a pass out finish. But uh, Zeus picks him up and uh, just chops the shit out of him. One big chop <laughs> and pins him, and that's it. <laughs> so. We have reached the peak of, the, you know, like, the whole fucking chop match bullshit that, like, really went insane, like, 2000, I don't know, 17 through 2018, really up until, like, quarantine hit. Like, the whole chop match thing was, like, 
just becoming such an insane trope. Like when you're at the peak where you're basically choking a guy out, passing a guy out in a uh, submission hold just to pick him up and hit him with a chop for the finish. I think you've hit the kind of diminishing returns when it comes to chops. Um, Zeus does not look like to be in as good shape as he has in the past. Um, who knows why? There's probably, you know, gym could be harder to get to the gym during the, the quarantine. Harder to get certain uh, supplements in the mail during quarantine, maybe. I don't know, but... Zeus didn't look great. Um, Jiro, I mean, I used to really be, like, high, not high on Jiro, but I thought he had a lot of potential. But he's really turned into, like, all gimmick and, and nothing more showing than, like, like I was talking about that finish there where he's selling that he, like, passed out from the hold and then he gets picked up. And as as Zeus is picking him up, he, like, you can tell he, like, feels the need to pull his jacket open. So, you know, because his whole thing around, like, the jacket. So it's, like, so that you can see the inside of his jacket. He has to show it off. Um, at all times and he's doing it throughout the entire match it's kind of like uh, Masawa towards the end when he would always be adjusting his tights even when he's supposed to be yeah. selling <laughs> but it's it's Jiro <laughs> with his fucking suit jacket so yeah no no good there um, next match that we'll talk about you saw as well and uh, was really lighting up the, the internet with hate um, the worst match of 2020 already I guess uh, Shitaro Shino I mean, I mean, I mean 2020, yeah. 2020 is almost done I know <laughs> I know Worst match of 2020 at this point here. Uh, Ashino versus uh, Kento Miyahara. Uh, what was your thoughts here, Quentin? I, I know that you also thought that this was the worst match of the year for sure and, and was just <laughs> terrible. Um, like I can understand being frustrated by this match, especially if you think both of these guys are you know, good wrestlers. Um, I, I think like the end, like, you know, Shotaro, Ashino coming in and... Um, Infants Terribles stable coming in and like now he's, he's doing a little bit more like bullshit and shit than he did before in Wrestle, in Wrestle 1 instead of just like letting him go out there and have like straight up matches and Kento's selling you know to put it nicely you know could have been better or you know could have existed at all yeah but like at the same time, like, as someone that's, like, again, like, I think that Kento has, like, some really good selling performances, but not in a way of, like, selling a limb. I think Kento was, like, really good uh, selling, like, getting the shit beat out of him, but not necessarily good at selling a limb. So, like, on paper, I'm like, well, what what exactly did you guys expect from Kento to, to do here? Kind of. Like, I understand, like, you know, if you're gonna do a leg-based work match, then, like, you wanted to, like, wanted to see it sold, or for it to matter but at the same time this is like Kento Miyahara we're talking about like this is like it's almost like being mad at Kota Ibushi in 2020 for like not selling the leg like it's Kota or Ibushi e or ever and, and like and, and like you've like you've watched Kota for however many years and he hasn't sold the leg like how are you still gonna get mad at that <laughs> exactly yeah it's it's I get yeah I definitely get where you're coming from there and um, I think not a good match and i wouldn't defend it as a good match but i would say it's probably a more acceptable match in the context of the champions carnival and realistically if it was between any other two wrestlers i just i think you kind of hit the nail on the head there is that it's it feels like the ace of all japan going up against you know the ace of a, a now defunct promotion that just closed and you're really getting a shtick heavy kind of whatever match with some spots and not a lot of great 
not a lot it doesn't feel like a lot of thought being put into it not a lot of emotional investment when it comes to the selling and narrative and anything and it just feels like a waste but yeah i think if it's any other two wrestlers and it's just a match in the champions carnival i don't think anybody cares but i think that that's right the, 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 there's expectations involved involved with these yeah, guys yeah and i think and i think that it's probably ill-conceived expectations for the exact reasons that you pointed out it's not someone who's known for being good at selling a limb in kento miyahara i mean it's not i mean he gets a lot of credit for being a good seller and i think that you're right he is there's a certain kind of selling that he does well and this is not it um and ashino uh, similar thing he's not really in his best role i don't really think of ashino as like a you know a, a cheating heel kind of guy um and so having his stable you know cutting corners for him and taking cheap shots and on the way he's wrestling just doesn't doesn't necessarily work um final match uh, of the champions carnival first night here um or actually well, no this is not the first night this is the third night yes it's the, it's the third night yeah yeah um is uh suama versus jake lee i thought this was much better than uh miyahara and ashino um i thought that jake lee looked great here i think um showed a lot of fire um sold really well I mean, luckily he didn't have anything like a limb or a leg or anything that he didn't need to focus on selling. Um, Suwama, I mean, Suwama looked like a badass ass kicker who's in control for most of the I, match. I, 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 I like the arm work that Jake Lee is doing, especially like you know Suwama. Like you know, Suwama's gonna sell it. Like you know, like with Suwama, you know that he's usually gonna like hold up his end of the deal there. Yeah, definitely. So, so I think this, like, yeah, like that's a great point you know like suwama actually does do some good limb selling to help kind of even counterbalance that from the first match or from the not the first match but the match before this um and uh yeah i just thought that suwama being able to still muscle up some power moves and some big power spots here and there throughout towards the end while fighting back from the arm work um really helped to kind of uh yeah just deliver a really solid kind of back and forth story um so yeah i i I don't know. I haven't been watching a lot of All Japan, and uh, I haven't really seen a bunch of what appears to be like a Jake Lee kind of heel run. Um, did you Did you see um, Ashino versus Suwama for for the title? No, no, uh, no, I didn't see it. That, 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 that's actually like really good. I think I think that you'd like it. Yeah, I should definitely check that out. Um, because yeah, I think yeah, that, that, that's actually good. Yeah. So this was this was good stuff. I don't know. You have anything else you wanted to say about this match? Uh, no, like, you know, there's, you know, more stuff that I'm looking forward to seeing, like, as, like, you know, the block play, like, you know, plays out and what, like, and eventually the finals might be and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, it's like, it's the same, like, you know, like, rotating group of guys and there's stuff, there's stuff that's going to be interesting. Like, I want to see Jake Lee versus Zeus. I, you know, Miyahara and Yume uh, Oagi had a really, you know, have have good chemistry too. So, like... I'm just, I just want to see. I'm, I'm assuming it's gonna be a Jake, like Jake Lee versus like Kento again, or it could be, or it could be like Jake Lee versus Oshino and kind of like a weird heel, heel versus heel thing. But like, I'm assuming it's gonna be like Kento versus Jake Lee again. Yeah, that would probably make the most sense, and it 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 sucks because it does feel like for the past however many years at this point all japan has been really stuck in a rut of this where it's like 
solid, but nothing, it doesn't feel like anything new or exciting is really happening. Um, but there is like, you know, good matches and, and interesting, you know, or stuff that's fun to watch if you just want to see good wrestling, but, uh, but nothing that's like super exciting or, or fresh or new. So yeah, that's uh, I could see them going to, <laughs> to Kento and Jake Lee again for the final and I wouldn't be surprised, you know? Yeah. Um, so then after the, yeah, after that, this morning, basically, and you didn't have time to watch it, but I was able to, to sneak it in at work, basically. Uh, N1 victory, first night of the tournament. Um, and they've got really small blocks and a really, really, uh, not as pared down as, like, uh, the G1, kind of what they're saying the format is going to be like with only, uh, only the block matches because they did have some tag matches and stuff like that throughout the show, but uh, but basically only four <laughs> N one matches in the on the on the show. Um, the blocks are I think of five guys each, six guys in each block, um, so it's like really really small. Um, and uh, yeah, so first night, uh, Segura, uh, Inamura fine pretty good match honestly um segura obviously always brings badass kind of toughness um inamora brought it here for like a, a nice kind of mean guy fight that was relatively quick but uh but didn't feel like like one of those like matches that's just like a waste for um because it's in a tournament you're just like whatever like just getting through it um mochizuki versus uh me or kiyomiya was uh was really good lots of really cool technical like mat grappling stuff mochizuki one of these underrated like guys who should be in the conversation for wrestler of the you know decade kind of thing even longer probably um conversation type really great older wrestlers um fun match for sure um shizaki versus soya um fine shizaki looked really good selling throughout the match and he was really the star of the whole thing soya was fine but nothing great um and then yeah so shizaki looked really good and 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 i'm kind of surprised with how like 2020 is turning into like a really career performance year for him um after just the ebbs and flows of his career i mean i guess that would be going too far to say career performance but it's becoming like a really good year for him um just with like on top of just getting like attention also having quality performances and matches so um kind of interesting to to look back on just with his career uh, main event nakajima versus keno it's another one where it's like nakajima really is the star of the match keno serves his role and can stand toe-to-toe at times for like a big kick you know strike exchange back and forth but nothing uh doesn't really bring anything throughout the match but nakajima is really just i don't know for, for based like just remembering him when he was first starting out and he was so young he just felt like you know quality wrestler really good but that's going to be about it and then just the character the sleaziness the griminess the heel work that he does now he's just he's really developed into a more well-rounded wrestler when it comes to character and, and stuff like that and working with no crowd it's it's tough but he definitely brings uh brings the that kind of that work still to the to the matches here so uh he was again like really the star of the match and unfortunately like i'd say comparatively the n1 first night feels like there's you know it's the first night so it's tough to say how it's going to go throughout the entire tournament 
But comparatively to like the Champions Carnival, it feels like N1 has a little bit more interesting stuff going that you can check like to see. But the only problem is, yeah, like I mentioned, like a lot of basically all the matches um, on this show felt like one, you know, like one good, really good wrestler with like an okay wrestler, basically. Um, right. And so it's kind of like that's kind of like the unfortunate issue that maybe like you're going to end up with a lot of matches with just like people who are not that good going up against each other. Um, so we'll see. But uh, but I mean, solid. And, and Noah has, does a good job with the no crowd um, shows just because their their style now is so physical um, and uh, and they just beat the crap out of each other which actually reminds me that I meant to talk about uh, the ROH Pure tournament got started as well and I don't know if you saw any of it oh no yeah I didn't know that started either but I remember the, the field from when it got announced like however long however, however uh, many months back looked good yeah and they only they started out on the TV and they only had two matches but yeah, there's just I thought about it because New Japan or Noah looks really good uh, because because they wrestle kind of a more sports style, hard hitting. Uh, no fans works for them, and and the New Japan or the ROH Pure um, tournament is very similar in that regard, uh, just because the styles of the the matches um, really uh, really work for no crowd because it feels like that more sports style presentation. Um, really cool promo stuff that they're doing. My only issue with the really good pre-match promo stuff that they did is they do a, uh, a Jay Lethal versus Dalton Castle kind of promo thing. And, uh, I really just felt like the promos were really good, but (laughs) it didn't work to, to give this promo vignette package that they did for Dalton Castle and then have him lose in the first round because he basically was talking like, you know, I need to prove that I'm still dangerous. I need to prove that I'm actually a good wrestler after all this you know, stuff. I've been the champion, blah, blah, blah. And then he just comes out and loses. And it was just like a, it was a really well done vignette. And I think it really could have been a good hype to get him back into being like a serious contender. And then you just have him come out and lose to Jay Lethal. Um, not to say that it's the wrong choice, because I do think that the Jay Lethal versus Grisham final makes the most sense even if it seems like the most predictable i actually think it's probably the best move for them to just go with that um that's building up into like a legendary you know feud slash team that they have with those two so i think that building up to them as the final of the tournament is like kind of the best move that they can do um so i just would have had dalton castle go against someone he can beat in the first round basically is what i would have done there um follow that up yuda and gresham great match obviously i don't know if you would expect anything less from them um just two kick-ass technical wrestlers. I would definitely recommend checking this out. A lot of a lot of good action. You can skip the promo stuff if you want, but the promo stuff is actually really good. And ROH has always, for a long time, done a really good job of uh, of kind of their vignettes and their promo work, their video packages. Uh, for the past like few years, honestly, they've done a really good job at that stuff. It all comes across professional. It's shot well. It can vary from talent to talent how compelling it really is, but. But for the most part, it's all it all looks real legit, and this is no exception for that. So I would say, you know, go back, check this out, and I would say keep paying attention to this pure tournament because this is already a lot of fun, and I think it's going to continue to be really interesting and maybe some of the best wrestling that we'll get all year. You know what I mean for for telling a serialized story in a tournament setting here. Um. So yeah, that's uh that's that for little bouncing around, I guess wrestling. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep I'll keep an eye on that stuff. Like, 
I love wrestling tournaments. Like, like everyone, like everyone loves a good tournament. Um, I think like this is like you know maybe it's a good way that way like you know G one happening and these happening at the same time like wrestling you know could go back to somewhat feeling like normal again with like yeah. you know having like you know that sort of like you know uh, comforting feel about tournament going on. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and and yeah, and, and especially I mean it's ROH going back to the pure even if you know a lot of people maybe don't remember the pure the pure championship the roh pure championship and there's a lot of people who maybe don't remember it fondly they didn't like it or whatever but to me it feels like comfort food roh going back to right what made roh great because for me the pure title was i always really enjoyed it i know other people maybe it wasn't their cup of tea but it's always been mine so so yeah it definitely feels like maybe go hearkening back to a better time and just feels like maybe wrestling's trying to get back to normal a little bit like you said Okay, are you ready to uh, move on and talk about the, I guess like the heavy, I guess like the real heavy hitter of the tournaments that are going to be happening during this you know, yeah. fall season? Yeah, which is weird, right? It's in fall, and it's going to be in fall again next year um, for the New Japan G1 because it was going to be later in the year this year anyways before exactly COVID started because of the Olympics, and then now they're saying that they're going to do the Olympics next year. We'll see. If that even happens, but based on that, it's going to be next year again. It's going to be late. Uh, I got the G1. Um, they did slightly abbreviated blocks this year too, right? They said, and it doesn't really seem like it though. I don't. Th- I don't think so. Eh, maybe it's a little bit less than it has been lately because it's like ten people. Yeah, I guess like ten rather than twelve or something. Yeah, so it's not hugely pared down, but it's a little bit pared down than it has been. Um, and, yeah, I'm not even sure. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, maybe it is true, but I'm not even sure that that's even true. If it's like not if, if, if there's like a changed number. But either way, like you have like you know the people the people that we talked about in the la- the last time on the show where we were like you know we're going into G one. Are you gonna have certain certain people back? And they got all the people back. Yeah, basically everyone we mentioned is back. <laughs> like anyone that we were kind of predicting could be a good chance of showing up showed up which is you know osprey jay white juice robinson um kenta kenta and jeff cobb um the only one that i thought may be conspicuous in the absence a little bit weird is uh, uh carl fredericks i really would have expected carl fredericks based on that he was going to be in the new japan cup and based on the way that they've been positioning him on the the american new japan shows i really expected him to show up here especially if they're going to bring in Cobb because they were building a storyline between those two, um, you would think that you would connect I'm, that into I'm G1. Surprised, I'm, I'm surprised more like, you know, like about like Fale. That, like, that, that, that's, what, that's, when said, that's when it stood out to me for sure. Yeah, I could definitely see that. But uh, yeah, I think that, you know, none of the Tongans, um, Bad Luck Fale. Yeah, that's... Yeah, at least, at least, at least, yeah, at least Fale, Fale would have, like, is like a stalwart in like the G1s. So like... Yeah. So like now, now with no Fale here, like you know he's a guy that you could have always like had to like realistically beat like one of your top guys. Whether it was like an Okada or a Tanahashi, like he was always like a good loss to give somebody, and you don't have him here. So I wonder if like maybe like a Minoru Suzuki replaces that kind of role, where it's like he can credibly beat anyone on the roster. Yeah, no, that's I mean. That's the thing because compare also compare that to some other people that are in here like kind of taking up some spots and they don't have that same 
aura of a folly that they can beat anybody. You talk about like uh, Yoshihashi and Yujiro Takahashi. Like those guys really can't just take victories off of anyone. Like you can do with folly. Folly you can have be the guy who's like the one guy who gets a pin on someone like Okada or Tanahashi or something. You know what I mean? Like the top top guys can lose to folly randomly, and you can't really do that with a lot of the other people that they've stuck in here now. So that is going to mess a lot with the, the normal kind of booking style that they do, um, in, in the, uh, in the G1 also like Noah, um, or actually I was going to say no Toriyana, but he is in the, he is in it for some reason. I thought he wasn't in it this year, but he's in it. Um, so yeah, got, uh, got a very interesting kind of situation with, Yoshihashi and Yujiro being in the A and B blocks respectively and uh, really what their booking is going to be like because it's like I don't know do you expect them either of them to get a lot of wins like I I don't I mean Yujiro like Yujiro like he has to be somebody but like looking at this I guess he can beat Cobb like but other than that like and in his G one, so it doesn't really matter. But like, yeah, like only one I can see that he ain't even beating his cops. But 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 let's do this. Let's run. Let's run down the blocks first. All right. Let's do uh, it. A block. Kota Bushi, Tomohiro Ishii, Kazuchika Okada, Shingo Takagi, Yujiro Takahashi, Taichi, Minoru Suzuki, Jeff Cobb, Will Ospreay, Jay White. Right off the bat, we are getting a couple of dream matches that we haven't gotten yet. We're getting. Okada versus Shingo, and we're getting Abushi versus Shingo. Off the bat, we're getting those, uh, which stand out to me as like really good matchups. Uh, we're getting to see what we're going to see. Will Osprey and Shingo go at it again? We haven't seen we haven't been we haven't seen them. Uh, really, really have a chance to really have a chance to go at it before uh, since uh, the G One fi- uh, since the Best of Super Juniors final. Uh, Will Osprey versus Ishii. That's that that's another one that. I've wanted to see for, for a long time and now we're getting that. And then like the usual, like great heavy hitter matches when we, when we get them, you know, Okada versus Ishii is always great when we get it. You know, Abushi versus Okada has been great when we got it. Takagi versus Ishii was really good last year. Osprey and Osprey and Jay White have really good chemistry. White and Abushi have really good chemistry. White and Shingo had a really good match last year. White had a really good match with Ishii. Like, and obviously Minoru Suzuki can have a good match with anybody in here. Uh, Jeff Cobb has people like Will Ospreay and Kota Ibushi uh, that I think he could have really awesome matches with too. So like, this is probably I think like the best block as far as like peak matches, but they probably have the two worst guys in the tournament in this block too. Uh, okay, Yujiro and who's the second worst guy that you're talking about? Taichi. Okay, because I mean, I almost I, would say Taichi's been think, okay. I've, I think Yoshihashi better than Taichi. Okay. So. Yeah, I could. I mean, I don't know that I would argue. I don't know. I think. It, it, I think that's, that's, it's consistent. It's, 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 putting, it's, putting, it's putting hairs at this point, but I, I prefer Yoshihashi. I think that consistency Yoshihashi's better, but I think that Taichi has had better peaks recently. But historically, yeah. he has been worse. So that is a tough call. 
but also they have not given Yoshihashi like any anything recently at all. So it's kind of tough to compare that because they give him like nothing to fucking do. And, 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 and when he does get something, he he busts his ass. Like he really yeah. really works hard when he whenever he gets the, whenever he gets that chance. Yeah, and you're not gonna get that from Tai Chi. So if Yoshihashi, yeah, because Yoshihashi had a pretty good run in the G1 a couple years back that he was actually yeah. in. So I think if he he's gonna work hard and maybe he can we can see something here. So that's fair. We do have maybe maybe. You could say probably the two worst guys in the tournament are in the A block, but you also have got like a murderer's row of great wrestlers. So it's yeah, like a, you're it's a like we're out. about to get like, like this block is going to spoil us as far as like really good matches. Yeah, I mean people are going nuts over this. I love. Do you see the stuff online of all the first time matches? And there's like a couple matches that they listed that have happened before that they're calling first time matches. I love that. Right. Um, <laughs> so this is the the tournament of Dude, first time matches. Shingo versus o- Shingo versus Okada. <laughs> Dude, that's gonna be that's gonna be nuts. Shingo, Shingo versus versus Abushi. Like. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of insane stuff here, especially with like Shingo Abushi, um, like yeah, having matches. Osprey, like Osprey sure. hasn't wrestled in months. Like. I know. So that's the other thing too. We're gonna see what Osprey looks like, which is kind of scary to wonder what this is gonna be like. He's packed on a bunch of muscle. He looks gigantic. Um, looks like and also like his body. Like he like he's like. Yeah, like you know, like he's a dude that's like been open about like his like you know bumps and bruises like you know along the line of his like wrestling career and like he's alluded multiple times to, like taking a break and doing all that kind of stuff but like he actually got a break this time like you know not some not one that was like you know of his own volition but nonetheless had to take a break and I, I, I wonder like how you know if he seems rejuvenated to refresh after like having to take that break. Yeah, I mean, especially you say it, not of his own volition, and that's, I mean, probably the only way he's going to take a break, because how many times has he claimed and said, I'm banged up, I'm going to take some time off, only to, you watch him and he's not taking any time off. And he's not toning down his style when he is wrestling, and, like, he's done it multiple times where he said he was going to take time off, and then he shows up in fucking, you know, New Zealand or Australia, and he's having all these banger-ass yeah, matches. Yeah, the next thing you know, next thing you know he's having, a, like, an entire entire run back like back in england and ireland like yeah exactly like every time he says he was gonna he's gonna cool it he just ends up not doing it so this has been the only time that he's been forced to actually take time off and i was gonna mention it seems like he's been on the kyle fletcher diet because he's just looking gigantic now like the boy the absolute lad kyle fletcher who unfortunately like think about that fuck last year even a little bit earlier this year it felt like it was an inevitability that kyle fletcher and to a larger extent like both members of aussie open would be in new japan right now Right, yeah. like you would think that one or both of them might have made their way. They, they, in... they, 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 yeah, they were. I'm pretty sure they're supposed to be in the tag league. Like, I'm not sure if I can confirm that. Yeah, but yeah. I, I am pretty sure they they were supposed to be in the tag league. Yeah, it felt like it was a major rumor going around that it was like all but done that they were going to be in the tag league, and then like that they that one of uh, that Kyle may have been in best of the super juniors. There was talk of that. There maybe they could have ended up in this. Like either one of them could have been here. And it's just such a bummer because it's not happening, obviously, now. Um, but, yeah, like, uh, Osprey here is going to be fucking nuts. I think Cobb, I think you mentioned good Cobb matches, but I think Cobb Shingo has the the chance to be very good. If you just think back. I think, I didn't, I think Cobb Shingo happened last year, it was, and it was good, too. Yes, it did. It kicked ass, so it could be good again. But, uh, but yeah, Minoru Suzuki Cobb, which is a first-time matchup, let's just say. Let's pretend that that's true, that it was a first-time matchup. <laughs> let's wipe the slate clean. <laughs> Like, 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 Suzuki, like, you know, he's, like, you know, you could argue that he's, like, the, what, 
six best guy in here if you wanted to. I know. Like, you, if you wanted to argue. And, like, here's the thing. Like, like Suzuki versus Osprey is going to be fucking crazy. Right. It's going to rule a lot. Like, yeah. Suzuki versus Ishii is going to rule a lot. We've seen how amazing Okada and Suzuki can be together. Uh, Suzuki and Ibushi. Like, th- like, this is a really well put together block. Like, you're going to get all, like, the five and a half star, six star, like, break, like, you know, you know, hyperbolic, you know, classic matches all in this block. Like, this is, this is going to be great. Well, yeah, and, and I just refresh my memory of you saying, like, you could see Yujiro getting the win over Cobb, and I would agree with you, other than the fact that, like, Cobb is signed to New Japan now. I don't know if it's officially out there yet, but it's all but, like, confirmed by everyone that he is now signed, so I don't know that they necessarily... Let him lose to someone like so. You, so you think you think they start put you start you think they start booking Cobb better? Yeah, I think that they actually start pushing him as you know a formidable guy, like because he's. I mean, they have been in the American in the U.S. shows. Like I talked about the feud that they had him doing with uh, Fredericks. He got, he he won the feud. I mean, he won their match. It's not like necessarily the end of the feud, but at the end of it, they basically left it with Cobb was dominant and won. So it's kind of like they're they they're pushing him at least at that level where he's above. Someone who's not, you know, a new lion anymore, but freshly no longer new lion. So he's a young lion. So it's not like he's just like a guy who can just eat pins. And so, yeah, like Suzuki, like I was mentioning, I mean, his match with Suzuki in the past sucked. It was bad and Suzuki ate him up. And uh, I just think that they don't let Suzuki do something like that again here now that he's, you know, signed by the company. So I actually even I'm actually kind of excited to see if there's some kind of retribution there for that match for Cobb, if he can, like, pull out something decent. Um so yeah, I'm kind of like, oh okay, there's like some uh, some intrigue there with what they end up doing with with someone like Jeff Cobb throughout this tournament because he's you know like I said he's signed to the company now so you could see him I could see him beating someone like Ishii in a really kickass match where in the past you might say like oh he's just gonna lose, um, you know the Shingo match I don't I couldn't say for sure Osprey I mean Cobb Cobb I mean Shingo just lost a never belt like yeah if you wanted to set set up like you know because remember like remember like remember Suzuki is the never champ so. If you wanted to make Jeff Cobb a formidable, uh, formidable guy for like a possible never challenge, I could see him beating Shingo. Yeah, he could beat Shingo. He can beat Suzuki to set up, yeah, like a title match. Because I mean, fuck Cobb is a former never champion, so I mean they could put they could put him back into that mix if they wanted to. Um, but uh, I was thinking about Suzuki when you were talking about Osprey Suzuki, and the, I mean the comparison to me that pops in my head is kind of like the AJ Styles Suzuki match from G One a few years back that everyone lost their mind about, and. I mean, this might be blasphemy, especially with who I'm talking to, but I think that Osprey is a, a more well-suited to wrestle Suzuki, like, version of AJ Styles. Like, if you think about what made that match work, that's, like, the fact that AJ can hold his hold his own on the mat because of his amateur background. Well, I mean, Osprey was trained in the British grappling style, so he can hold himself on the mat maybe even a little bit better in the pro wrestling context than AJ because AJ didn't really do a lot of, like, mat wrestling training to the level no, no, that Osprey like, has, like, like, and like Osprey's like worked like worked to get himself better at that stuff too. Yeah, like so, like, like that's like that's a lo- that's a long time coming for him. Yeah, so it's like yeah, I mean AJ was a naturally gifted athlete who did amateur wrestling, you know, in high school, and then has brought brought some of that into wrestling, but never really was his focus. Osprey has focused on that. Osprey was trained specifically in that style of wrestling, and has focused on that being an important part of it. Striking battle. At the time, AJ was really turning up, kind of trying to do some some striking stuff, and that really played into the match with him and, and Suzuki that was really cool. 
I mean, Osprey, you've been talking about it. Osprey, one of the best strikers in wrestling at this point. I mean, you talked about just how good he's gotten at striking. So it's like the stuff that made the AJ Suzuki match so legendary and people lost their mind about. I mean, I think Osprey can do the same stuff as AJ, and a lot of it, I think he'll be able to do better. So I could actually see uh, that match being phenomenal. I think I think it, I think it will be too. But like I think the uh, I guess the argument is that like there's a Minoru Suzuki that's a few that you know that's yeah. six years older older now. So like the onus would then be on like do we think Suzuki can keep up? And it's like well yeah we just saw what he could do last year Royal Quest with Okada. Like the guy can is clearly like you know we talked about him one of the best old age wrestlers that we've ever seen at this point. Yeah. So. I have I have no like belief that this but this won't be amazing, but like I think that you're bringing up very valid points as to why like this could possibly be better or or at least on the level of uh, Suzuki versus Styles 2014. Um, going going into the B block, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Hiroki Goto, Toriyano, Yoshihashi, Sanada, Tetsuya Naito, Evil, Zack Saber Jr., Juice Robinson, and Kenta. Um, so. Again, not not the, not the not one that's like super strong. There's guys that like historically have had really good matches that I'm always going to be interested in seeing. I'll always be down for Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Naito, uh, Zack Saber Jr. versus Naito, Zack versus Juice, Zack versus Kenta, Zack versus uh, Tanahashi has been really good. Uh, even even Sonata and Zack have pretty have pretty good chemistry. Uh, Yoshihashi can have like some really fiery emotional performances. And like I would, I like if that was him versus Naito, or even him versus Zach, or him versus Yoshi, uh, versus Tanahashi. I wouldn't or be surprised. Juice, I think. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Juice, Juice is gonna be another good guy here. Like Juice and Tanahashi had a really good match in the uh, New Japan Cup a couple years a couple years back. Uh, Juice and Naito have really good chemistry too, and I've seen, we've seen Juice and Goto have good matches. So like the ce- like the ceiling is lower in this block, but like. The floor is higher too. Yeah, well, com- comparatively, just like to something I was talking about earlier in this podcast, like the the All Japan thing, this is kind of the old hands. There's nothing. There's not a lot of new, exciting, fresh here, but there is a lot of, like you said, history, good chemistry, and I think drama. And I think that the B block is getting overlooked, and people are obviously in America, Western fans are overlooking it because this is the story. And I honestly end- think that this is. I think that the winner of the tournament comes out of the B block, I think without a doubt. And I think that the rest of the year and probably even going into Tokyo Dome next year, obviously, because, you know, you win G1, you go to the Tokyo Dome. But I think that the big time stories and the booking and the future of New Japan, a lot of it is going to be set for the real big picture stuff in this B block for this tournament right now. Because I do think okay. I do think that the LIJ drama is the the focus and the story that that they're going to be like kind of pushing moving forward and I do think that you've got the heaviest LIJ kind of contingent here even with evil former LIJ member um and you've got a lot of room for telling those stories throughout this block and the eventual winner you've also like got some bullet club guys mixed in to kind of round out that storyline of LIJ bullet club what the fuck mixed up kind of drama between everyone um so yeah I, I do think that this is this block is easy to overlook if you're just a western fan who's looking for matchups crazy matches like all this stuff but i do think that this this is actually the more important block when it comes to everything else plus you've got the like kind of the subplot b narrative of tanahashi 
being the first time that he's in the B block being, is he being phased out? Is he being kind of moved, you know, taken out to pasture basically. And just like kind of not being a big time focus and expected to have good matches, but he's got plenty of good opponents here. Plenty of people that he's had great matches with before. And he's still, and, pe- and, pe- and, pe- and people that he can like drag, drag a good match out of. Yep. Like I've seen him drag, I've seen him drag a good match out of Sonata. Like, I've seen him have decent matches with Evil. I, like him and him and Kenta last year, I liked a lot. Historically, Goto and Tanahashi was a good match. I'm not sure if they were like you know they had the same passion or energy to make that a great or make that a great matchup again. But like Tanahashi, like he has stuff to work with here. Yeah, and Tanahashi's not a guy who's gonna just roll over and take it. He's not going to just go quietly into the night as he turns into an old man. And I think that that's another story to watch throughout this block too. So. I think the B block is going to be the nail biter block and the one that gets you excited and the one where I I mean I think the cool thing about the B block too is that the, the hierarchy is there but it's also not. I mean, I don't think there's anybody in the B block that I would be shocked about we, beating anybody else. We don't we don't we don't know for sure. So I I think that like this will like be a good way to like get into like some predictions and all that kind of stuff. So you're predicting that the winner of the entire G1 comes out of the B block. Yes. Okay. So are you saying that Sonata is your pick to win the G1? I am not. And I, I can I can do it. I can go into this if you want me to give my uh, my theory. I've done this before in the past. I don't know how well I've done in my predictions, but this is what I see based on, you know, what I've what I've heard um, and the data and all this stuff. A lot of things are going to be different about this tournament. Even right now, just on paper, there was someone who did, like, some statistical analysis that showed that, like, something like five year, 10 year long, like kind of streaks of, of patterns are going to be broken in this tournament, no matter what it had to do with like who commonly main events and semi main events and how often that person ends up in the finals or winning the block and all this stuff. And basically looking at it, there's no way for it to happen because like Jay white has the most semi main events, but he's not definitely not going to be in like a match against the person with the most main events on the last night. Um, so like, there's a bunch of like weird stuff like that. That's just like, normally the way that the booking goes just can't happen. And that's why I think that something is going to happen in this tournament that hasn't happened in a very long time in new Japan. And I think that the winner of the entire new Japan cup and it plays into the LIJ drama is going to be Naito. I think that Naito is going to win the the G one as the champion because then you play into LIJ drama because now who does Naito pick as his opponent for the cup? Does he pick a f- another member of LIJ? Does he say someone like Sonata? Maybe Sonata beats him in the tournament. Does Sonata deserve a title shot? Does maybe um, Hiromu, because of the tease and everything, and how much everyone's been wanting to see Naito versus Hiromu, does Naito pick Hiromu as the person he faces off against at the Dome? Does he pick Evil because he wants to kick Evil's ass for the bullshit that he did for turning on him? Like, even... Shingo, it's like, how good does Shingo show up in the G1? Does he look like he deserves a shot? Like, I really think that just because everything is so fucking up in the air and the booking and everything is all weird compared to historically how it's been, I do think that they're going to pull something different. And I think Naito wins the whole thing. And he basically, they play off of the drama, the inter-LIJ drama, including also Bullet Club drama, where it's now, who does Naito pick to face at the Tokyo Dome? Because he won G1, he gets to select... Who, who he's going to defend his title against at G1. That's my that's my prediction. And it might seem out of left field, but I think it makes sense. I can't say that I think you're wrong here and to think of, like, this being such a weird year that, like, 
the thing to do might just have like might just be to have the champion win the win, win the tournament and just and just and then go from there. Um, for me, we talked about it on the last pod, but like, I think it comes down to two schools of thought. That like, if we're gonna go ahead and do things like how we normally would have, if we're gonna fall back into a safety net, and I think that Okada like. He hasn't been in, he hasn't been in the G one final since twenty fourteen. Like it's waiting for him. It's right there. And this is a block where you look at this block you look at that A block and like the only real competition he has for someone that I think could like possibly make it to the final over him is Jay White. Cause Abushi did it last year. Abushi beat him Abushi beat him in the block decider last year and moved on to the G1 final and won, and, won, and won the whole thing, Ibushi's not doing that again. Right now, I'm looking at it and it, it, it's, it's going to come between Okada and Jay White. And just based off like, it's like, you know, just based on like how we like, you know, how we like look at New Japan booking, that if things didn't go awry, I think it's pretty safe to say that like, we would have eventually transitioned back to Jay White versus Naito over the summer. Jay White, Jay White probably would have won the belt back. Um, maybe that would have been evil turning. Like evil would have turned on Naito during the Jay White title defense, the title match, and then come Dominion, Naito, Naito wins. Uh, Naito wins the titles, and every and we're all going back into G One with that big reset. But Jay White missed all of that, so. I really like. Do you do you make up for lost time? Do you go ahead and like just have Okada be like you know his typical Okada self and you know like you know Okada versus Naito is is back now or like you have Okada be in the G one final and you give someone the ultimate rub and that's from like that's that's when I go back to my B block prediction being Sonata where Sonata has been consistently one of the most popular guys in New Japan and all Japanese wrestling for the last couple of years now. And at some point, you got to pull that trigger. And if the crowds are going to be like 5%, 10, like 10% capacity, if they can't really cheer, if they can't do, do anything, like people, they can buy their tickets. It's going to be a limited amount of tickets. But like, you, like, you're not having the same like risk if you, as you had before with certain things. So I wonder if like, do you want to sit there and, and go ahead with what your future plans already were, which I believe they already included Sonata, or do you want to fall back into something safe, or just go and like throw some wild shit against the wall? So to me, I my prediction is still is gonna be uh, Sonata going going over Okada G one final. Um, as much as I don't want to see it, as much as I think it's gonna suck because <laughs> just just historically those two just aren't very good together, but. I don't think there's a bigger rub that you can give someone into being like thrusted into, you know, superstardom than beating the top guy in the company in the G1 finals in Okada's first time in the finals since 2014. Yeah. And I think for me, I'm going to go Sonata because I also agree with you that I think the LIJ splintering is going to be like the bigger deal heading into the, heading into the dome. Yeah. And I, I definitely agree with you there that that i could see it being sonata and it's still focused around the same thing which is lij drama um but uh but yeah i just i think so yeah i'll I'll just give this because you kind of gave yours and i didn't at all but uh i i think that 
final ends up being Jay White versus Naito. I think that you play off of the history of the the runner-up, the person that was in the final that lost the year before, ends up winning the next year a lot of times. Um, and what you get is Jay White in there against Naito, so you basically can make it so everyone expects Jay White's going to win. You know what I mean? And it's just, it feels predictable, and then when Naito wins, it's even bigger. And like I said, plays into a whole big storyline that's all based around kind of the the inter intermixed drama from lij because i think that that's i think i i you know that's what i'm calling that's what i predict and uh and i think that you obviously see it the same way and i don't think it's really even crazy to predict i think most people would agree that like the lij drama is going to be the focus of new japan at least for a while um especially now that the title's gone back on naito from evil it just seems like that's where it's at and it's funny because it feels like they were teasing that it was going to be bullet club drama a similar thing with it being evil. It, it, it was, and I think that, like to me, I think maybe they held like they hold off on that until next year. Like to be clear, like if all this stuff didn't happen, like, and I'm not ruling Jay White out, but like my prediction would have been Jay White versus Sonata, right. like pre pan like pre pandemic. That was my predict. If you like ask me about this back in like January or February, like people in the Slack would know. Like I've I said Jay White and Sonata from like last year, right? Like, no, yeah. So. So I so I don't know I don't know I can I can still see that happening but you're right is that like you see that like evil and Kent are in the same block but you know Jay White is by himself pretty much as far as like the other like marquee Bullet Club guys and I think and I think that was, I, th- I think that was a I think that was an interesting an interesting thing yeah it's definitely kind of telling when you look at stuff especially like I mentioned Shingo I mean. Pretty much all the rest of the LIJ guys are in the B block. Like, Evil doesn't count, but he still feels like he's just so recently a member, you know. And then Shingo is over on the A block by himself, the only LIJ member. So it does feel like, oh, okay. Like, that's... There's there's something there with the, the guys who are separated from the, the inter-stable drama. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that... I do think that things probably got changed quite a bit because of... Uh, because of the pandemic obviously and i do think that uh that uh, it could be somewhat up in the air maybe maybe not though maybe they're just gonna stick I, with I, it. I, yeah like i like it's like, this it, like this is the one where i won't be surprised any way it goes like yeah. if it's okada i'm not surprised if it's jay white i'm not surprised if sonata wins i'm not surprised if even naito wins i wouldn't be surprised I, i'll go as far as to say even if like evil kenta or um, Tanahashi one, I would not be surprised. Like, yeah, just because of like, I'm not sure where mentally like the new like where, like the, like you know like the booking like where like like the booking in New Japan is at right now, where like exactly like if they feel pressure, if they feel like they have to make a move, if they want to fall back into like a safe into like a safety net, like I don't know what they want to do. Like, if the final was Okada versus Tanahashi, would you really be shocked? No, I mean, no, I wouldn't like that wouldn't be surprising and I wouldn't I wouldn't even be shocked if Okada wins the whole thing like you said. I mean, they they basically main evented the dome last year with them, but it was on that on the tournament. Um so I could see them going back to it now this year where you can actually have it be promoted before the the show. You know what I mean? And see what you can really do with these two drawing rather than just based on like teasing that they could end up wrestling each other. Right. But, but at the same time, but at the same time, it wouldn't really make sense to do that when like you can't fill the dome up. Right. No, I know. I, it's, that's the thing. It's going to be that, like, what's it? That, that's the, that, I yeah. think that's my thing is like, 
that is why I have a hard time thinking they do Wakanda versus Naito again. Because maybe they do just bite the bullet and realize these are just the times we're in. And, like, even if we don't want to sit there and, like, waste that match again, considering, like, the kind of business that match does, like, we want to, you know, still feel like we're throwing on something important. Right. Like, but I I don't know if they want to do Okada versus Naito again. Yeah, or or now, right? They don't want to do it now. Yeah, again, like, you know, like, for for the Dome, like, and, like, you know, quote-unquote, like, burn that match. And... You know, I guess you could argue the same thing about Sonata versus Naito. Like Sonata versus Naito would sell out Sumo Hall in, a, in an instant. Right. No, I mean that would sell out. That would that would sell out Osaka Joe Hall in an instant. That would like do really good, really good business. But at the same time, like I feel like you can like go back to that match at any time, and there's always going to be interest and heat behind that. Like I have no clue, man. I re- I really have no clue. Well, that's also part of why I think that the Lij Inter Lij drama is like kind of perfect right now even though a lot of people like will argue that maybe lij is like the most over thing and their drama is actually the most intriguing thing for any of the fans or whatever but i do think that there's like almost a melodrama slash like like stereotypical soap opera ish to it that i think that attract is very attractive and very intriguing to a certain type of fan which is maybe not your core demographic of wrestling fans even though historically people like to call wrestling, you know, like soap opera for men or whatever, I think that stuff that's a little bit overwrought and a little bit too far into that, like stereotypical soap opera element is kind of a turnoff. But I think that in this case, when you have, you know, limited capacity, more and more people are going to just be excited that this is the perfect time to really burn something like that that's like almost fan service to a certain segment of your fan base, but is like also intriguing enough to attract like the other parts of your fan base just because they're excited to go see wrestling because you can't even fucking go to anything you know you're like barely able to go do anything at this point so you're just like gonna go because you want to see some cool matches with like a decent story behind it so yeah that's why i think that right now like the lij thing is like kind of perfect for them um just because it like it it really fits this certain time frame in a very interesting way that's like a little bit more I don't know, I guess I'll say maybe intimate. Maybe it's a little bit more intimate. It plays a little bit more into, like, parasocial relationships between the crowd and the, and the wrestling. And right now, I think that that's what people want, you know? Because we're, we're, we're distant because of quarantine, and we're not able to, like, have the normal relationships that we would have with people in day-to-day life, that you kind of maybe want to see a little bit more of that drama being kind of happening in your entertainment. I don't know. Maybe that's uh, taking it a little bit too far. Uh, it's... I, with, with with everything that's going on here and like the thing and like you know the adjustments to like everyone has to make in like the like the pro wrestling industry to like you know work around and still make the product interesting with all this going on like I don't put anything past like you know these like you know these promotions as far as like you know trying to find trying to figure the trying to figure things out a market to different niches and audiences yeah definitely um but do you have any, do you have anything else? I'll say that like my most anticipated match. Oh, if I had to just pick if I if I had to pick one myself, most anticipated match, uh, I'm gonna go chalk. I really, really, really am excited for Shingo versus Okada, and like maybe with like a full like capacity crowd, it would have been better. And maybe for maybe maybe for, maybe for that reason, it won't be as good as it could be. But Shingo versus Ibushi. Like probably probably be the second there, but I'm I'm gonna go Shingo versus Okada. Yeah, I uh, 
I'm going to say, you know, you, you said it as your runner-up, but for me, my, my most anticipated would be Shingo and Ibushi. Like, I I don't know what it is, but I'm just, like, very into that match, even though it's kind of I haven't been super high on Ibushi in a long time, but I am insanely high on Shingo at this point, and I just, I think that if there's anybody who can really bring kind of that, that Ibushi that I really used to like a lot a few years ago um it could be Shingo I think that Shingo can still go in that style that that Ibushi you know used to be used to be what I found so interesting and intriguing but also I mean they're both grown-ups at this point I mean Shingo obviously has always been pretty old or older um but I think that they're both have matured to a level of uh I'm pretty sure they're the same age are they yeah that's they probably are um yeah, they, I, th- I think they're both like thirty six. I guess I meant mature, like the maturity level that he wrestles with. Shingo always right. was a much more mature wrestler, um, and I just think that uh, he can be nutty. He can do all the craziness. He can base for Ibushi. He can keep up with him every step of the way, um, if not fucking outpace him sometimes at this point. And then on top of that, I think that he can ground him and he can tell a story that 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 will uh, be very satisfying. So for me, that's that's it. And then I'll say my my runner up. Um, I'll break the trend of having all Shingo matches being uh, being the, the most anticipated, and I'm going to go with what I talked myself into earlier while talking to you about it, Osprey and, and Suzuki. I think that's my runner-up yeah. most anticipated match. I think that those two, there's potential for something fucking crazy there that I think that can really maybe open some eyes. I mean, at this point, saying that someone's going to have their eyes open to Osprey is probably... Like just as likely as like saying that you're gonna convince like a Trump supporter that he's bad or something. You like people are so entrenched in their hate, either their love or hate for Osprey that I don't think that there's any chance that you're gonna change someone's mind. But I think that you know it could. I think that it could be so good that it should be able to change someone's mind. But I don't know if it's even possible at this point. Um, so yeah, I think that, that would be my number two. Um, yeah, I'm just so fascinated about like what Osprey was like months of rest is gonna, is gonna look like especially like some of you gotta look, worry about like rustiness but like you know guys like him like we just saw like Matt Seidel coming in you know with his de- with like, with his debut in that battle royal and like I'm not sure like if Matt Seidel had been working or doing anything but like you know coming in and trying to do that shooting star press like even though like you know certain stuff like is muscle memory for these guys like you know there's a such thing as rust and I, I do like wonder if like you know Osprey's been like you know, in the dojo, training, you know, still, like, you know, getting used to carrying his body weight, keeping himself nimble and athletic, like, you know, I would hate for him to come back and, like, try something and, like, really fuck himself up. Sure, but you also have to keep in mind that, you know, that was Michael Nakazawa put that oil on the turnbuckle to fuck with, with Seidel, so ah. that's not gonna, that's not gonna happen here to Osprey, I don't think, unless there's somebody in the back who just dislikes Osprey, which, at this point, he's very disliked, so I wouldn't be surprised. Um... But anyway, uh, I guess I guess we can I guess we can move on to what we had uh, planned for the rest of this. You know, like <laughs> there wasn't a, there there was there wasn't much wrestling like going on that like you know other than the tournament other than the tournaments that like you know that we you know couldn't get like get to all get to all of that. But I thought you know we were trying to do that with the European wrestling, and obviously that didn't that, that yeah. didn't that didn't work out very well. So. I thought, you know, just for this week before we, like, you know, before G1 kicks off and all these other tournaments are kicking off, that it'd be nice to do a nice little retro review. So, today we're going to be reviewing the new beginning in Osaka from February 11th 
2014. And the significance of this really is one, like this is like the big Ishii Naito match from uh you know from 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 this from this period in time where like Ishii's at the peak of his powers and Naito is just coming off of Wrestle Kingdom eight and all the embarrassment come and all the embarrassment that come that came with that and it's just two guys that had a lot to prove and they wound up stealing that entire like set of shows because uh if you remember the uh, uh Tanahashi Nakamura match was on uh was on the first new begin was on the first new beginning show and here we are in Osaka and Naito and Ishii just trying to blow, blow everyone out of the water but at the same time Okada versus Goto on this show is really good too for like a throwaway you know somewhat like match on match in, in Osaka like Goto and Okada like really brought it and I think you can argue it's one of the, like the better top two is that you can feed that you can find on any new Japan show from the last you know from this like you know last like eight year run yeah I mean that's definitely I think arguable <laughs> um this was yeah this was a random or not a random pick but this was a good pick from you because like I think that it on top of like feeling relatively recently but feeling like it was from decades ago at this point um it also was like really exemplary of this time period and realistically this is like kind of the I guess pre like huge breakout of New Japan into the like western fan bases I think I think at this point they haven't even started like the the War of the Worlds type shows with ROH. Um no not yet. Yeah, this is at a time period where they really New Japan is getting some buzz. Um, you know, I think me and you both were probably already watching everything as much as we could. Um but uh it was not the kind of the international juggernaut that it becomes. And uh it's got a lot of people in a lot of different roles. It's got people who have like come and gone even since then. And uh, it was like, yeah, this was like a, this was a cool little time capsule. And it's got like a couple little quirky notes that like stand out in your memory um, that we'll kind of get to when we talk about stuff. But uh, open up, um, I guess, I don't know. Do you want to do like a time period thing? Like break down kind of like where this was in history or do you care and, or do you just want to get into it? Um, I think, I think we should go, go ahead and get into it. I think that like, at least when we, when we did like, the European shows, like I feel like, because a lot a lot of that stuff might not been like you know, as heavily covered as heavily covered at the time. Like, you're about this still 2014, so like yeah. New Japan is is still is being covered like the way it is now. But I feel like this is by then people have like kind of an idea because like you know the controversy. You know we're we're a month yeah. removed from Wrestle Kingdom eight and. Okada and Naito getting voted out as the main event, and Tanahashi versus Nakamura getting that main event slot, like, like remains one of the the biggest occurrences of this era of New Japan. And despite it being a good match, despite it being a really good match, actually, like you could argue, like I could argue, like that's still the best match on the show. But like, it just is forever stained and tainted by that, and like unintentionally makes this like Okada and Naito rivalry from like the years uh since then like really more impactful like I'm not sure that Okada versus Naito from this year is as impactful if you don't have that Wrestle Kingdom 8 moment of like 
Naito, you're the reason why we're not the main event. It's because of you. Like you are not loved. You're not popular. Like you, like you got us voted out of this slot. <laughs> and like yeah. you know, and like you know, seeing that all come like full circle again. Um, but I, but I don't know. I, I think I'm, I think I'm ready to get into it. Like because yeah. like this is an interesting ass show. First off, we go with the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Title Match: The Young Bucks versus the Time Splitters. God, I miss the Time Splitters. God, I, yeah. <laughs> like these. Like immediately, you're just getting hit. Like, oh man! Like, we took this era of the juniors for granted so badly that, like, we owe the Young Bucks, the Time Splitters, like Rapungi Vice, uh, Red Dragon. <laughs> They're all owed apologies. Like, people kept shitting on them and telling, like, oh, no one cares about your matches because you're Americans and this and that. It was like. I understand that, like, the Bucks aren't the most likable people in the world, but, like, I don't... Having these guys is, like, like, at least consistently there and able to, uh, you know, like, be, like, you know, like, the, uh, the cornerstones of the division and, like, everyone can beat them and it'll be a big moment or everyone can have a good match with them and just having, like, that rotating cast and crew, like, I think, I, I really think we took this, that era of uh, the junior tag scene for granted. Even if, like, it was a bunch of four ways and three ways and uh, shit not mattering, those guys went out there and busted their ass every single show, every single tour. Yeah, no, and it was interesting because watching this, I thought about it because this was, I don't know if it was the beginning or, like, the middle or the end of the, the kind of, like, everyone, but it was definitely in the era of everyone basically complaining that no matter what, like, the big the big junior title match on like most shows, but especially the, the dome show would end up go like being some fucking multi-man tag team match with a bunch of teams and all this and that. And watching this, I'm just like, even at this time, yes, they're in there with like Alex Shelley and Kushida, who I think Alex Shelley, probably more. And I don't know if it's fair even to say, but we'll go down in history as being like, really majorly overlooked phenomenally talented wrestlers literally both of them will but i think alex shelley will have a huge legacy that he's continuing to build at this point um with with the kind of the training that he's doing with people but there's just so much there to to dig your teeth to sink your teeth into realistically and i think it's really easy if you're like a surface level even as like a casual hardcore fan to kind of steal from the uh from the sam's vernacular um that like that it's really easy to like think of him as like motor city machine guns go 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 fast paced guy but there's a lot of really good like technical wrestling mat work Alex Shelley to sink your teeth into there's like early period singles wrestler Alex Shelley not just tag team but then there's also like a lot of good like time splitter stuff here that's fantastic like there's a ton of really good Alex Shelley stuff that I think people have barely even seen or they're gonna start to dig more into plus the stuff that he's doing now plus training like or not even just training but also like doing player coach things helping people along like the series he just had with lee moriarty that i think will go down in history is like really helping put lee moriarty into a position where he moves forward um to becoming even a bigger deal which i think is just at this point it's like there's no question that lee moriarty is going to at some point very soon become the guy i think on the indies um i just i think it's a, just a matter of time at this point 
um, unless he gets like picked up or goes to Japan like I think he wants to whatever um, happens with him but I just I think that it's almost like it feels like he's going to be there at some point soon and I think Alex Shelley gets like some credit for that just because of like helping put him on the map or, or really co-signing him and all that stuff um, but to see what the Bucks do here with this match and to think about the conversation at the time that it was every fucking one of these matches and looking back on it it's like I, I, I think that it was the booking <laughs> I don't think that there's any question that it was just and it's smart booking if you think about it on a very surface level they just wanted the Young Bucks to bring PWG to New Japan and to just do go, go, go wild matches. And if you didn't pay attention, you didn't realize like that the Young Bucks had a lot more to offer than that. And all they wanted was for them to do big multi-man tags that felt like crazy spot fest that you would see in PWG. I mean, at this point... Get, get, like, start, 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 start to show off. Yeah. Like, get, get, get everybody ooing and eyeing and getting engaged. Like, like, they, like that was their job. So when people like do this thing, like no one care about their matches, like... Like, they're literally the opener of the show. It's like, their job is to, like, get the crowd engaged. And you're lying to yourself if you think by the end of these tags that the crowds are, like, totally engaged with, like, the matches that are happening. Right. But even this match shows that in 2014, and I think that a lot of people wouldn't appreciate this, the Young Bucks could still do a story match. Because this match wasn't just a spot fest. There was some story to it. There was some selling. There was definitely a lot of, like, just crazy spots. But there was more to sink your teeth into into here than just go, go, go. So I do think that, like, it, it's really easy for people to, to just write them off. I mean, you see the Young Bucks right now. I mean, the stuff that they're doing in AEW is, is next-level stuff, and they can still do this, too. And it's kind of impressive to see a tag team that, like, I don't know. We've talked about it. Young Bucks in that conversation for tag, like, greatest tag team of all time, I I think it's more likely than a lot of people think. Um, but that said, like, this match is, was really good. This was not the best match that either of these teams had um, by a long shot. Not, 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 you're, not, you're, not, you're not their best match together, no. even. Like, you know, like it was, it was just good fun. Yeah. Just, like, refreshing to see these. Like, you know, it's crazy to watch this. And just, like, imagine... If you would have told me that, like, Kushida would be floundering in WWE... I know. And... Alex Shelley was actually like having one of his better years in a long time in 2020. Like, that's fucking insane to think about. Right. Like, Alex Shelley is having a really good year. Like, if, if Puma had him like as high as like, you know, top 20, like for like the year, there's no one to like, you know, argue, argue him even higher. Like, you could. He's had a really strong year this year. And Kushida just doesn't exist. Yeah. Haven't seen Kushida in a very long time. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, good opener, like you were saying, gets the crowd into it, fast pace, go, 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 just, yeah, nothing to complain about. Not a lot of fat on here, but also not just like, not just a cut and dry spot fest. There's definitely some, something to it more than that. Um, follow it up with just a, uh, high octane kick-ass kind of, not even, not, <laughs> this rule. not like a squash match really, but like. A, a Shibata squash match, I guess you could say. Like Shibata had to get his heat back because remember, like this, he lost at Wrestle Kingdom eight, and um, you know, obviously, like you know, usually when there's a non-title match on a Wrestle Kingdom show, that person would move on and get a title shot, and you know, that being that he faced Goto, Goto went on to get the title shot, but you know, Shibata has to get his heat back, heat back. So here he is. 
just kicking the absolute shit out of Yoshiashi, and I forgot how fun this was, and, like, it made me wish that we got, like, more of these kind of matches in New Japan, because, like, one, like, Yoshihashi is, like, a perfect guy for this, but two, like, just imagine, like, fucking, like, angry-ass, like, Lance, like, Lance Archer back, like, back, like, back in his day, getting to come, getting to come through and just, like, wreck Yoshihashi shit, like, it would have been, like, there would have been, like, some cool little squat, like, cool squashes I think they could have done, but... For this purpose here, Shibata needed needed his heat back, and Yoshihashi was a perfect guy to get it back on. And I thought this was super fun. Yeah, I loved this. It was this was kind of like yeah, like um, when Shibata would bring kind of the G one energy to to regu- to like any other random nights in New Japan, and was why I always really liked him. Because even at this point, I mean, the like kind of New Japan house style of like over the top self conscious epics with too much back and forth and all that wasn't even like fully established but it was very much like clearly becoming like the 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 kind of the the focus and the style um and like a lot of matches were getting into that and so it was always nice to have kind of a breath of fresh air with with shibata who could randomly have a match like this he would also have the long like too much and just repeatedly but he also like really never he never got into it too much even even the last match with okada i feel like was definitely in that vein but it didn't i don't know it didn't hit the like spammy dance like kind of dosi do style it felt, as much. It, felt, it felt like it felt, it felt natural yeah like i guess just the difference is like watch like a, a and i this is gonna sound like an attack but i like jay white but you watch like a jay white like counter and finisher like trade back and forth thing and it it really has that dance partner-esque quality to it and you you can even watch like i said that last match with okada and it's like some of the counter cutoff stuff were like so abrupt like especially like you know i think about it the the headbutt obviously is the one that stands out but even like the big like kick like a big boot kind of counter of a rainmaker it's like mm-hmm. rather than having that graceful quality to the counter it really has like a impactful cutoff boom done it doesn't a lot of the other a lot of the other new japan stuff feels like it's got like kind of that lucha tumble style like kind of things ebb and flow and you're kind of like doing a natural like it's like a river flowing and it's like shibata is like a dam like the river hits the dam this this is it yeah it doesn't keep flowing it just gets cut off and like that was that's kind of the difference with his style i think comparatively and it was always nice having him because he felt like something different and i think that's why he stood out and why he was such a kind of a a dark not a dark horse but like a uh like a cult like favorite. A favorite. Yeah, he yeah. was like a... There's a certain kind of fan that was like, God damn it, if only this is the guy. That's it. That's wrestling right there. That's what he... He does the wrestling. The rest of these guys are dancing. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, this was a lot of fun. Um, follow this up with uh, a match that wouldn't feel out of place happening today in New Japan, really. Um, a big trios match with just a bunch of lugs This like trading some back and forth fighting stuff the only thing that was weird about it was thinking about heel face dynamics at the time because i'm you know i'm not in the moment but i'm just like thinking about it and i'm like this is like bullet club when bullet club was still pretty much heels and suzuki goon when they were like clearly heels and it just felt like yeah really this weird is, this is still this is still devon era yeah um and aj should have been debuting soon I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure. Like, he might he didn't debut on this show. Like, he didn't debut. No, no, he show. doesn't debut on this show. But he does debut relatively soon. And uh, but there was already rumors bandying about that Devitt was gone 
soon after this. Like, people were already, yeah, would, at this time... Yeah, yeah, it, was more, it was more about Devitt than it was, like, AJ coming Yeah, in. at this point, everyone was basically saying it seems that Devitt is gone. Um, and uh, so... So yeah, but but AJ was not in quite yet, and and as this started, because the Young Bucks, I had to look this up to to double check, but I, I was like, wait, the Young Bucks don't seem like they're fully Bullet Club yet here. I was like, are they even in the Bullet Club at this time? Because I could have sworn that they came in and joined the Bullet Club before Gallows, before Gallows came to New Japan in general, and before he was in the Bullet Club. But he was like clearly in the Bullet Club, so I was like, what the fuck? And I looked it up, and they were in the Bullet Club at this point. They just weren't in their like you know full-on black and white gear and being like completely bullet clubbed out but they were i guess technically in the bullet club at this time um okay. which is weird to think about because they did not come across it so i'm just like when did they start being fully bullet club but i do remember the first time they showed up in pwg and were like we're in the bullet club now and it was like cool you know because it was like yeah of course before that point no one gave a shit and i was like oh yeah they're in the you know they're in new japan and they're in the bullet club and no one cared and then eventually they showed up and it was like you know the black and white gear and the bullet club thing and it was like oh they're here and they're in the bullet club now so they're cool now and it was just it was very funny um but i think to, i think to me it's like that's part of why like with the bucks like observer hall of fame case whatever whenever you on the ballot is like if you want to sit there and like still be stuck in like antiquated ways of thinking about drawing and all that kind of stuff, like and we're in twenty twenty in a time where like what like look, the times like the like the criteria has to change and how we like view like what drawing power and all that kind of and all that kind of stuff is just like it's different times, right? But people will look over this and people will think that you're exaggerating, but like. The reason why the Bullet Club got popular and got accepted and got viewed as a cool thing in the States, even if, like, Devitt was, like, had, like, sections of the internet that liked him and thought he was funny and all that kind of, and all that kind of stuff, like Captain Folk in New Japan, like, and, like, all that stuff was funny, was funny and cool, the thing that got it over was the Bucks. And, like, I, I'm not sure the Bucks will ever really get enough credit for, like, their role and how big they made the Bullet Club. Yeah, I think that a lot of people will will look at it the opposite way. I think it'll get remembered the other way around, which is wrong, which is that like I said, like that that it was oh, they're cool because they're in the Bullet Club. And you're right that what really happened was the Young Bucks made the Bullet Club cool. I mean, even the fucking the the good brothers, right? Uh Carl Anderson and 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 Luke Gallows, like they when you hear them talk about it, for them it was like they were copying the Young Bucks. Like, the thing that people think of as, like, the Bullet Club thing, the Biz Quiz, the, you know, whatever the fuck they call their podcast. I can't even remember it at this point. Um, like, that whole thing was them, like they even would say, like, just trying to, like, hang out and be funny and joke around and be cool with the Young Bucks. They were trying to knock off the Young Bucks and copy them. And then that was what became, like, the cool Bullet Club in America thing. So, yeah, like... People overlook it, but it was the Young Bucks. And it's it's very funny to think about because the Young Bucks, really kind of good Christian boys who don't curse or drink or smoke and any of that. And they also kind of got a lot of it from, from Steen. Like, the Young Bucks yeah. and Mount Rushmore and the Kevin Steen thing and all that stuff is what turned the Young Bucks into, like, this juggernaut powerhouse thing. Because before that, they were, like, Generation Me. It's like, yeah, and Reseda, we loved them. And they were heels of PWG, but, like, you know... 
when they get like that Mount Rushmore feel to them, it's a, yeah. it's a little different. Yeah, that's when it becomes like cool and like, oh, these guys are like a big deal. And oh, yeah, you know, thanks for the house, brother. Like joking around about shit like that. Like, oh, yeah, when we show up to your town, all the all the marks in the back are like, oh, thanks for the house, brothers. <laughs> yeah. Like stuff like that. And it's just like, oh, my God, it's such stupid bullshit. But it's so it works and it really worked. People loved it. I like I said, you know, I've talked about it a bunch, but even at this time, I was like a PWG regular, and it's like, man, the PWG crowds at this time period were fucking insane. Or like here and a little bit later with the Bullet Club merch, the fucking brother brother, the doing the two sweets, and it was all the young bucks, and it was like, yeah, that was spreading to all of wrestling to where all elite yeah, like, exists. Like I can tell you, like, like, I, I tell you, like they didn't like, they weren't doing that because of. Gallows and yeah. Anderson and Tamatanga and even then they weren't doing it because they weren't doing it because of, of Devitt. Like, yeah, because of these guys. Yeah, people barely knew who the fuck Devitt was. I don't care what anyone says. Like people can act, and and I love Devitt. I always did. I always thought he was great, and I wanted to get the. the... It's, it's like it's like I I think people, I think people kind of like retroactively like put them put them up in that conversation. But again, like unless you were like a, were like a super fucking nerd, like. You weren't the most familiar with Prince Devitt. No. At least, at least, like, when the Bullet Club started. By the end of his run, and, like, the hype is building, and, like, he's going in, like, uh, doing, like, doing, like, you know, the couple, the couple of progress shots, and the body, and, like, the body paint is going viral. Like, by then, like, people are aware of who Devitt is. But, like, yeah. not when this whole thing started. No. No. Um, go, going after go, this? Going back to the match. Itself. Oh, yeah. I was going back, I was going back to the match itself, like, it kind of felt good to see, like, uh, the Killer Elite Squad and like Suzuki like together again. Yeah, like just for how long David Boy Smith has been gone from New Japan and like might never might never go back to New Japan. It just felt good to see like those guys back together because they really did have such such a like strong badass like dangerous vibe about them. Like if the Never Trio titles existed oh, back at this yeah. point, I would I would have never taken them off of. Killer Elite Squad and Monroe Suzuki. Yeah, they would have they would have been the the guys to do like this dominant trios thing. Yeah, and yeah, it sucks because COVID thing too. I think that Davey Boy Smith was rumor slash all but confirmed was going to be in the Champions Carnival this year. So Oof, yeah, like okay. the idea, like again, like I talked about with Champions yeah, Carnival, Davey Boy, Davey Boy versus Wama. Yeah, that would have banged. Yeah, so it's just like like I was saying, where it's like unfortunately this year's Champions Carnival really feels kind of boring with nothing like interesting in it. Uh, yeah, you throw in like a Davey Boy and some other outsiders, and I think that it could have been a lot more interesting. Unfortunately, so yeah, but he's been out of Japan for a while at this point, which is it sucks because he's really good. I mean, honestly, I think Davey Boy Smith is underrated for how how quality super is underrated, super underrated yeah and like he's had some good matches in mlw but nothing too much he's had a couple good matches in like uh blood sport but he hasn't been doing a ton um follow this up with uh what is it uh oh this is the another bullet club they it's weird that they do bullet club matches back to back um makabe and taguchi versus bad luck fale and prince devitt um Really, uh, f- funny enough, it's like, you know, a focal point match on the junior heavyweights in the match. Um, Makabe, this was like, not at the peak of Makabe disappears for an entire match, but this is when he was, he was definitely in that we're, style. We're, we're getting, we're getting, we're getting there. Yeah, we're almost there. He's almost to the point where he can literally be in a match that he doesn't tag into ever. Um, <laughs> but he's not quite there yet. 
Um, he does, or, or, or no, you know, not, 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 not taking a single bump. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Which is like, fuck it, man, get in your bag. I guess he doesn't even wrestle anymore, or maybe every now and then. But, uh, but yeah, um, it's. I mean, it's interesting to think about the Apollo uh, sixty six. Um, Apollo fifty five. Fifty five. Right? Yes. I don't know why I yeah. mix that up <laughs> because I, you know what it was. It's because it's Apollo Go Go, right? Like Racer Five is Racer Go. Uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I I was like thinking about it, and then I was like, it can't be five. That's not right. Um. Anyways, um. So, uh, it's weird to think about their history with each other because, like, their tag team and their rivalry was, like, a big deal, kind of, but it was really at a time period where the junior division didn't, wasn't really treated like it mattered, but it was, like, they never went away from it. They, like, always would go back to it, even at this point, when Devitt's leaving soon, they're, like, we're gonna close him out feuding with Taguchi, basically. Yeah. I would have I would have liked their rivalry to be of treated like, to have been treated like as a bigger deal yeah. like when Devitt like you know was at the peak of his powers and not like just on his way out and like when he was turning heel like the turn is great but I just wish like we would have like gotten like more of that but like you know they had other plans for Devitt up until the up until him like you know leaving they really liked him and they wanted to do a lot of wanted to do a lot with him and like you know to go Jesus Junior like you know they're moving on from that yeah. Excuse me, but yeah, I would I would have liked to see more of that. But effectively here, it's like you know, this is like starting that like that, that Prince Devitt farewell, like you know, doing the favors on the way out, brother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's I mean, and it's fine. Like you know, the big guys are lumps of shit, but whatever. And the and the small guys hit some stuff. Folly, you know, Folly tried at no. this point in his career. Yeah, I mean, I mean Folly. One moment he won, won the Intercontinental title for breaking Nakamura's face. Yeah, uh, Folly. I mean, it does. It does really feel like the only time Folly worked really hard was when Devitt was around, and like he fell into like not giving a fuck with the other guys who also didn't give a fuck, but were slightly better than him, I guess. Because um, yeah, I mean, even think about it. But I like. There's a lot of if you go back to like young boy Folly stuff. There's a lot of like uh, Folly standing out doing young boy duty for Prince Devitt matches. And it is interesting yeah. to think that they were like pretty, probably pretty linked for a long time. Um, so there is some kind of some kind of connection there. Um, that uh, when Folly didn't have Devitt around anymore, he just kind of dig- digressed, regressed, or whatever. Um, after this, we get Tenkoji versus Big Daddy Yum Yum and Michael Tarver. And this is one of Jesus the things Christ. I was mentioning when I was saying that there's like iconic stuff on this show, because this is the iconic uh, Big Daddy Yum Yum chop cell that like uh that w- became a meme and was like very funny and it's just so funny to think because like i said it felt like a random pick for you but like that is something that like stands out like there's a probably a lot of people who don't even remember this being a big deal but it was like this was a meme at this the, was very at the, funny at the time at the time i lost my yeah when i got to this like i'm watching all the full shows and everything at this point for like pretty much anything i watch and I get to this, and like I, I'm getting it. Like it's a fucking NWA Rose Tag Team Title Match. Like no one gives it. Oh, it's not even a title match. It's a number one contender match. Oh, number one, number one contender. Yes. <laughs> Excuse me. The champions, I think, were <laughs> like, Rob Conway and uh, Rob Conway and Jax Dane <laughs> were the champions that Fuck, these yeah. guys were yeah, trying yeah, to yeah, fi- yeah. wrestle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like not even like a brand new NWA Rose Tag Team Title number one contendership <laughs> match. And like again, I don't give a shit. I'm like off my phone or doing whatever. And I swear to you, I look up, 
and I just see Big Daddy Yum Yum like, squ- <laughs> like squirming in the corner. <laughs> like, oh man, yeah, yeah, dude, that was that like, was it. That was like the peak of wrestling comedy at the time, though, man. Like that was huge. But 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 the thing is, like, because it was unintentional. Like he like obviously like he thinks that he just like so like, and maybe in his head like he knows how fucking goofy this is. Like I I don't think he realized like how goofy that looked. Like how funny that looked, and then fucking. Michael Tarver getting New Japan bookings, like yeah, like, and 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 then, and, the, and then the funny thing is, like six years later, here we are, and they're didn't they just book Darren Young? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, for like yeah, one of the New Japan Strong shows or whatever, they got Fred Rosser showing up. Yeah, I know, I know, it's weird. Um, uh, man, Nexus will get you booked, man. It's true. I mean, fuck, will, Wade Barrett should, just came back. Will, Wade Barrett's in WWE yeah. right now, like. Yeah, man. Nexus is a long-standing <laughs> stable. There. If if if, I'm t- if if Ryback had any actual interest in wrestling, he would be wrestling right oh, now. Yeah. Just based off of, just based off of Nexus. Exactly. Like, he could just be the 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 what is it? The corn-fed meathead or whatever. God damn. Yeah, skip chef. Skip, skip Sheffield. Chef. <laughs> could you imagine? Like, if Chikara still existed, there would totally be a Skip Sheffield King of Trios. You know what I mean? Like Manders, Dude, like, Skip Sheffield. What a fucking like. <laughs> I don't think anyone benefited from a gimmick change more than Ryback did. Oh, for sure. Like, oh my god, did that save his that did that save his career? <laughs> like that, that like that was actually ridiculous. And like, you can argue that like Husky Harris or like Bray Wyatt like, to Bray Wyatt was like a, was a was a clutch one, but like yeah, that was still like third generation wrestler. Like they were so they were gonna figure yeah. some, some shit out for him. Like. Skip Sheffield, like, you better figure that shit out or, like, he was out the door. <laughs> right. Yeah, he was so close to being gone. I think the only thing that could come close is, like, the, the, the legendary Cena story, which even still feels like a put-on. I can't imagine they were really, like, so close to firing Cena, but either way, like, that would be the only thing that comes it, close. It, 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 it doesn't seem like there's, it doesn't seem like their style, too. Like, that's the thing. Like, they, like they, they've never been, like, big on, like, firing people at, like, that stage. Like, they just, like, kind of hold on to them. Right. Or at least now, maybe at the time it was different. I don't know, but it doesn't seem, it just doesn't seem likely that that was really what was going to happen. Um, either way, yeah, watching this match back now, I'm like, God This damn. went 13 minutes. Yeah, this was way too long. Why, I don't remember what I saw in Michael Tarver, because I used to think that he was, like, there was potential there, but I do not see it here. Um, Dude, like, even back in on, on NXT, like, I would watch the matches, like, like, okay, cool, like, this boxing thing is alright, like, but as far as when you get to the match, it's like I don't like this is bad. Like, yeah, not good. He he just he didn't have an aura. Like I remember kind of feeling like he had a badass aura, but I just don't see it here at all. Yeah, just. Uh, I think I think it was just him wearing a mask. Yeah, I think it was the mask. Yeah, which now in 2020 has no novelty because everyone's constantly yeah, like, wearing masks. Like, like yeah, not, not, not everyone has like oh you wear a mask. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not very cool anymore. Um, but yeah, this is uh, this is. It's a bad match. Um, Satoshi Kojima. Yeah. I think you really need more to say. No. Nope. Right to get. No, I was just gonna say Tenko. Okay. Tenkoji's good. Whatever. Let's move on. Yeah. But okay. Now we're oh. talking about a bad match. Now let's talk about a bad match. Daniel Gracie and Rose Gracie versus Kazushi Sakuraba, the Gracie Killer, and Yuji Nagata. Uh <laughs> yeah, like the Gracie experiment 
in New Japan was really, really strange. Like, I don't think there's any way to properly put in perspective how weird it was to see, like, these guys come out and, like, to keep, to keep like, building something with, like, to, like, to, to an eventual Sakuraba match. Like, even if I liked the idea of it, it was just so consistently weird. Like, the match at, like, the, like, the uh, when they come out of Wrestle Kingdom 8 for the, for the challenge, um, uh, when they come out of Wrestle Kingdom 8, and they, and they, fa- and they faced them there, uh, uh, Daniel choked out, choked out Nagata with his gi, <laughs> like in, in this in this weird shit, and then you come back to them here, and like it's oddly it's like really uncooperative. And I get it because they're trying to go for the shoot feel. Like they all have geese on. Nagata has his like wrestling trunks on with a blue gi, and he just looks so weird. While everyone else is like you know in like the in like the full thing, um, and like there's little stuff that I like. Like I like like. Sakuraba like pulling one of the Gracie's gi and like folding them up in a in a unique way. Like I thought that was really cool. I thought that was interesting. But other than that, it's just like so weird and like just not in a good way, I guess. Like Sakuraba does a plancha and like for that for the novelty of that, that's awesome. But even as someone that likes shoe style and like the idea of what they were going for here, this is just like one of the strangest matches of this time period, for sure. Yeah, this is weird. It doesn't make sense. And it plays into what I mentioned. I think I mentioned it maybe last episode or might have been the episode before. But the idea that, like, you really have to judge wrestling different based on the, like, post-MMA world. And this is a match and a concept and everything that they were going for that would almost make sense in a pre- MMA world where you could do something like this in wrestling where you could bring in like these guys and, and they they're all wearing fucking geese and like it's something different and it could almost make sense but at this point it just doesn't it all is very fucking weird you're playing off of this history with Sakuraba and the Gracies which I don't know it's like a legendary thing in MMA but it's just none of it works here and then the final payoff for all of this Gracie bullshit is Nakamura getting his win back on Daniel Gracie, basically. Like, which just feels super pointless, like, in a lot of ways. Because, like, at that point, Nakamura was already a really super well-established star. He was literally, like, the the number one or number two biggest star in the company. Nakamura's 2014 is fucking weird. He goes from facing Tanahashi in a trilogy to dealing with, like... I'm pretty sure this is a bad, like, fallout year, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, he goes for like deal, like deal, like having to like deal with Fale and and like the Gracies. Like, yeah, <laughs> like what a weird year. It's very weird. It doesn't make any like I said. It doesn't make any sense. I don't think you're getting anything out of Nakamura. You know, like I said, getting his win back on a, on Daniel Gracie. What the fuck is the point? Like, it's all very weird. Um, I mean, good on the Gracies, I guess, for playing ball. Kind of. Like, they showed up and they took losses and stuff, so... I'm about to say, say like, kind of, yeah, but if you watch the matches, it's like... Yeah, they sucked ass in the matches and they, like, tried to, like, kind of big dick and protect themselves in a lot of ways, but they did take some losses and and didn't, like, you know, weren't marks that they had to win everything, but it was, like, yeah, whatever, I guess. Get in your bag. Get in your bag. Secure the bag, Gracie Brothers. Um, And is one of these ones married to uh, Eve Torres or is that somebody else? 
Um, either way. Uh, there's there's a lot. There's, there's a lot. way too many fucking Gracies at this point. Um, all right, follow this up. Oh, post match, uh, Yano challenges them to a match, which is yeah, and then, and the, yeah, and they, and they wound up winning that match. Yeah, which uh, that match was probably great, right? Um, <laughs> we get uh, chaos with uh, Nakamura and Yujiro. Which I yeah. completely forgot. Yujiro you, you, you and, Ka- you and Chaos. <laughs> I forgot that Yujiro was in Chaos, and I'm like, oh yeah. Duh. Not only that, that Yujiro, Yujiro at one point was a good wrestler. Yeah, I'm like, oh, Yujiro and Ka-. and I was like, then I was remembering Mr. All Night, the saxophone entrance. Fuck, I used to like kind of think Yujiro was like at least funny, <laughs> like and fun, like whatever, and could have some decent matches every now and then. Yeah. This was like this was the time period where the on- the knock on Yujiro was like he's dangerous which is like i guess slightly better than the knock on him now which is that like he's terrible <laughs> like it used to be like it was yujiro is like his matches are fine but sometimes he does shit and might hurt somebody and then now it's like yujiro sucks ass like that's like the kind of the takeaway so yeah but i was like what the fuck this is it feels like a thousand years ago i completely forgot that this was yujiro like I really did, where he's like doing like this weird Val Venus kind of character. Um, yeah. What the fuck? And so this was like chaos. Chaos was pretty solidly heels at this point too, which was another thing that I was remembering because I remember all the talk of like, like my kind of touchstone was chaos sucks because like all the best wrestlers don't wrestle each other because they're all in chaos, which is like Nakamura, yeah, Okada and Ishi basically. Um, but I forgot like oh yeah, there was that time period where it was like. Chaos are heels, but everyone loves them, and they're actually baby faces, which is was like another weird time. Um, and, and, and this is weird because like so like this is before this is a, a few days after the Tanahashi faces Nakamura uh, at New Beginning in Hiroshima, and then they face each other again in Invasion Attack. Yeah, which is one of my favorite, which is like one of my favorite matches of the year, like at least, like, like a top ten match of the year for me, and like. Tanahashi is like super heelish in that match, and like again, like this is technically the time period where like where Chaos is still heels. Yeah, but Tanahashi was just like in full like like asshole mode with, with, with Nakamura at least in that match. Yeah, yeah. This is a weird time too because I even I talked about it with the Suzuki and Bullet Club trios match. It's like they were really heavy on heels at this time period because like they had three of the like major factions were all pure ass heels. They didn't really have any babyface factions at this time period. And uh basically like all the popular wrestlers that everyone all the wrestlers that people liked were heels. Like it was a weird time to think about because this was also the time that was like building to to New Japan becoming like this insane international juggernaut that's like super hot and selling out all these shows and it's just like Huh, it's weird to think about like the, how much like cool heels were of the time period, um, especially because so many people like at this time especially were like the cool thing about New Japan is that it's not like American wrestling where it's you know all cool heels and this and that and just storylines. It's like actually good wrestling. And it's like literally everyone in New Japan that was over at this time period was a cool heel except for Tanahashi. Tanahashi was like the only baby face in the company, basically, who was just a baby face. And I guess maybe Ibushi, but I don't even think he was signed to a contract at this not, time. He was not. Yeah. And, uh, um, and Naito, like, I guess Naito, Naito's technically a face, but, but he like, wasn't he over. Watch, 
But if you remember, like, he said, like, if I come back and I'm not a champion, you can boo me. And remember, we all, we are in a we're in a, we're in Osaka. <laughs> yeah, so they boo the fuck out of him. He was not, like, a super popular baby face, like, at this time at all. So, yeah. And I cannot wait to talk about him when... <laughs> yeah, this is going to be fun. Um, so, yeah, this match was, was fine. Uh, it was good. It just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a follow-up to, like, the story that was already going on between Nakamura and Tanahashi. Like, it was good. Like, you know, like... Well, with that being said, like, it's still Nakamura and Tanahashi. And, like, fucking Juice Thunder Laggers are going to, like, you know, keep Yujiro, you know, <laughs> yeah. at least. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is, like, still at its worst is Nakamura and Tanahashi interacting. Yeah, and this, like you said, this is when Yujiro was a fine was a fine wrestler, so he brought it at some points here. Um, this is also, like, weird to think about, but, like, when did Yujiro become a heavyweight? Like, I don't remember... It, like, because now he's in he's in G one, and I don't remember there ever being like a he's I, a heavyweight now. I guess like I don't know. Like I mean, I think he's already. Ha- I mean, he's not a heavyweight by this point. No, he? it doesn't feel like it. I mean, and if you think about it too, he's placed up against Liger. Like Liger is a junior True. heavyweight. I, I, I guess when I guess when AJ turns. <laughs> I guess I guess when I guess when, I guess when AJ shows that's up fair. and he turns, yeah. maybe yeah, that's fair because AJ uh, gets it, the it, 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 okay. yeah. Okay, I guess it was kind of like, kind of like a unspoken thing that Yujiro kind of moved up. Yeah, when he joins Bullet Club, he becomes a heavyweight. I guess that makes sense. Um, but moving, but moving on from yeah. that, uh, Kota Ibushi versus El Desperado, a match that I forgot happened on this show, and I was like, oh shit, Kota versus Despi, and like again, like a nice, nice match, man. Yeah. Like Desper- Desperado doesn't like get chances like this very often, you know. And he's a guy that's like this always good. Whether it's like you know single stuff, tag stuff, he's a really useful guy and a guy that I wish got to do more. But I understand like why he's not like a tippy top name or like the face of the division. I understand that. But for what this was, like I really enjoy getting getting to see Desperado and Ibushi like go at it. Yeah, this kicked ass. Um, this reminded me. This was like this felt like a hundred percent DDT Ibushi. This was not. Yeah. New Japan Ibushi, which was great. Um, you know, I, re- I I was a big fan of, of Ibushi at that time. Like, you know, DDT, the trips to America that he had here and there, um, some stuff showing up in Noah here and there. I always, like, really enjoyed Ibushi at that time period. Despy, at this point, I didn't... I don't think I appreciated how good Despy was as much as I do now, um, but that's only because, like, comparatively he wasn't like really good <laughs> you know what i mean like there was a lot of very good wrestlers in new japan at this time period and i was really into a lot of the stuff going on so he was like about as good as everyone else and then now like because the quality of the wrestlers in new japan is like it's not as it's not at this at this peak like i i think that it's pretty fair to say that like new japan in-ring quality isn't as good as it, it was in 2014 in 2020 and in 2020 like despy is like one of the best juniors that they have like and I just think it's very funny to think about that because this is this is he he had came back relatively recently debuted with this gimmick um, of El Desperado and was not I don't think he was aligned with uh, Suzuki Goon and I don't think he was uh, in any faction really he had shown up as like a loner and basically I remember him showing up with a guitar and he's just playing like an acoustic guitar in the crowd and they and that was it and then like I don't he never really talked he just like played a guitar as his challenge um, for Ibushi so so historically i think that the cutting your promo through playing a guitar is not 
a uniquely Daniel Maccabee thing because El Desperado did it first. Um, it's just what I'll point out here. Um, so El Desperado challenged uh, for matches by playing an acoustic guitar. Um, and yeah, this was a lot of fun and it was a good match. And yeah, both guys kicked ass at this time. It's interesting to look back on it because you think of New Japan as not really taking Junior seriously, but I guess this is not this is not so far back that things are like completely different than they are now, but this is also I think this was really early on if not the first time that they ever did like kind of a a, a split main event of a tour, which is like to say like where they do that thing where like this is because the, they had done New Beginning in was it this is Osaka. Before this, they did New Beginning in what city? I can't remember. Um, was it Hiroshima? Um, either way, they did a New Beginning show before this. And this was like one of the first times that they did split final shows for a tour. So they were giving um, a, a junior match like kind of... A little bit more time, still, like, not a lot of time, but it's one of the longer matches on the show, and it is, like, third from the top um, from a junior title match, which is not necessarily the case a little bit before this. And then, you know, this style of touring stuck to where they continued to do, uh, you know, split kind of big shows. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, like, like the, like, like, yeah, like the New Beginning Osaka, they'd be, they'd be running the bigger building. Yeah. So... They will, you know, like that will, like that would be like when they load up there, and then like the other one, I'm pretty sure that like that's yeah, that's not that's Nakamura and Tanahashi and like for the IC the, belt, the for the for the IC belt and then and the bet and the support they have there is the IWGP tag titles and um, Gota Shibata versus Okada and Yoshihashi. So like again, that was pretty much off the back of Tanahashi and Nakamura. There. Yeah. I guess I guess you have an uh, NWA World Title match, but I don't think that anyone cares about no, that. No, 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 no one's going for that. Well, I don't. I mean, yes and no. I mean, in Japan, I think NWA title still means something at this point. Um, so maybe a little bit you could sell a couple tickets well, out of well, that, but not a lot. Yeah, I guess. Well, it also depends like the presentation of those guys. Like, if you're just seeing NWA title yeah. match and you're not watching the product, and I guess, right. but like. If you like, if you watch, yeah. yeah if, you, if you watch the product, they use the NWA title match. I'm like, you don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. If you're paying attention, you don't care. But if you just see a poster or a flyer and it says, you know, NWA champion Satoshi Kojima defends the title, I think you could get like a yeah an older okay. fan would get excited for that. Oh shit, really? Okay, you know. So so, but th- again, that's not it's not even like the third from the top. Like this is with the junior title match being third from the top. That's like that's a little bit more in the mid card. But I could see that that helping support a little bit just comparatively. Um, but yeah, like I said, this was like it's interesting because they gave it some time, and this was like really I think bringing in a guy from outside, bringing in a guy who has a little bit of a name from another company, really a top guy in another company, um, and you're kind of using him as a showcase matchup in your junior division to help bolster doing split shows like and then that becomes like a thing they don't necessarily bring out outsiders anymore but they do kind of have showcase junior champions now as opposed to before this that would be like kind of they they didn't give a shit about junior champions you know what i mean um follow this up with uh the never open weight title when it was i guess treated a little bit more like it could still be something um you've got the i was gonna say the first champion but he is not I think he was supposed to be the first champion, 
but uh, it ended up going to Masato Tanaka, and I remember at the time it being very fucking weird because never was presented. It was always an open weight championship, but early on it was kind of presented like it was going to be a champion for younger, more interesting, exciting, fast-paced matches. And then the first champion ends up being Masato Tanaka, who was like, I don't know, in his 50s or something when he won the title. Probably not. Probably like late 40s. But either way, he was not young and exciting <laughs> when he won the championship. Um, and uh, because everyone expected it to be Naito and it wasn't. But this is the second champion in Naito defending against Tomohiro Ishii, who's another guy who at this time is not young. Um, he's definitely exciting. And even to this day, he's still exciting, but he's not young. Um, and, uh, you mentioned it earlier, this match kicks ass. Um, Naito, Naito needed this match. Yeah. And like, even if it didn't immediately help him because after this, they have him like, you know, not really doing a lot. Truthfully, like after the, no, after Wrestle Kingdom and, you know, the, and and like, you know, the stain that that has on his name and then losing the, losing the never belt to Ishii. And then going into G one, like he picks up, a, you know, picks up some wins. Like he beats, um, I think he beats, I think he, I think he beats Okada and AJ. Um, maybe, maybe not AJ, but he at least he at least beats Okada in in the, the twenty fourteen G one because they have they wound up having a match at King of Pro Wrestling. So Naito was still viewed as valuable, but like, that, like again, like after this, like Naito doesn't really get to do much else during the year. Um. But right here in this moment, like this, like reminded people, like no, like Naito's really good, guys. Like I understand, like he just came off an injury, and then like the whole rise of him coming back in the G one, and some people thought he was still kind of rusty and didn't deserve it, and there was just kind of like this like forced storybook ending. Like he came back and he showed, like no, like Naito was awesome, guys. Like you just, you guys just like you know, kind of. Shadow, shadow on the story and didn't want the story, but like, let's be clear, like Naito is a really fucking good wrestler, and like this is turned up to eleven here, where like and kind of like talk about before, like how Naito is like one of those guys that you don't think of as like a as a shithead, but he really is. Like if you watch him, especially in this match, like the head, the head butting and the slaps are just in like the way he looks at him. It just he's like a nasty little fucker sometimes, and. I think that like this was like the perfect balance of what eventually become that New Japan House style, but like it's like really gritty and like a fight and Mexican like, like you know dazzling dazzling athleticism like to, like Naito going for the Stardust Press and all that kind of stuff like it mixes it mixes in all of that, but at its core it's like these two nasty grimy dudes just slugging it out. Yeah, this was this is a huge pivot point for Naito, I think, especially because and for Ishii. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. I think that that's this goes down as like not only just a good match and like you said a pivot point, but it does for both guys really in a lot of ways it legitimizes them. It's weird because it doesn't it doesn't transfer to the title, and a lot of times a match like this will then help legitimize the title because the, the Never title, like, like flounders after this. And these guys both kind of move forward into their into their roles and are really established here. But um, I think it's a huge pivot point, especially for Naito, 
here because, you know, I just was talking about Yujiro. And when did Yujiro become a heavyweight? I don't remember. But there's clearly a point with his former junior heavyweight tag team partner in Naito here um, where you get, like, how they do, how they transition him into heavyweight, which is through the Never Never Championship because the Never is an openweight championship, right? So, like, he's the Never Champion. He's proving himself by being able to wrestle kind of, like, heavyweights and junior weights doing everything. And in this match, like this is a different kind of mix it's not really about junior and heavyweight because these guys are pretty close to the same size but this is again like you said is naito a shithead this is a match where you show that naito isn't he isn't what people are rejecting him for he isn't uh he's not he's not he's, he's not this guy that got that's just like getting handed shit. he's not like, a soft pretty boy tanahashi knockoff who's just being given the keys to the castle to fill this role that he's not ready for. He's actually also a badass. He actually also can go toe-to-toe with a tough, shit-kicking fighter. It's great that it's Ishii because of the fact that, like, Ishii is small. He's a small, he's a pint-sized brawler kind of guy. But it's, you buy into it. And one thing to think about is, like, the headbutt exchange, the big headbutt exchange, you would think it's about Naito... Um, proving that he can stand toe to toe with Ishii with the headbutts, but Naito starts it. <laughs> like Naito is the first one who launches a headbutt into Ishii for the big closing headbutt exchange at the end. Um, and so it's like it wasn't just Naito answering back; it was Naito also being a piece of shit and like saying like, "No, I'll do it. I'm gonna start this. I'm gonna headbutt you." And then they go back and forth with headbutts. So it's like it's not even just a oh, he's willing to go down in the in the dirt with Ishii and he's going to stand toe-to-toe with him. It's like, nah, man, he lives in the dirt. He is a dirt right. guy. He is part of that life. And that's why it really made sense when he came back. Like, That's why the LIJ Naito worked. It wasn't because, you know, oh, he went to Mexico. And it was... People fucking loved the narrative because it, like, mirrored the, the, the Nakamura... Um, narrative that like oh he went to mexico and he got a charisma transfusion and he came back it's like no the reason why it worked is that he went to mexico he met up with some people who like had a similar vibe to him when it came to personality and match style and everything and he got to be him his true self and he came back to japan and he was naito he was being himself and i always loved the thing that always stood out to me early on when naito started the lij thing was is spitting the way that he spit at people he because i'm not a spit i'm not a spitter i don't spit at people i've been in fights i've done all that stuff i've been pissed off at people i've never spit on someone it's just not me i don't have that thing but when you have that thing when you're a spitter you just like you do it you do it in a certain way and it's got a a vibe and naito's got a spitter vibe he spits on people in a distasteful shitty way where he's trying to push your buttons and like it's natural and you just you kind of just can't teach that you can't teach something like that and he like brought it into his wrestling thing and it's just like oh yeah this is the kind of guy he is he's shitty he's a shitty dude and you talked about it like that he's just kind of a shitty guy he can fight he can brawl he likes to fight um that said i mean i don't know do you think this is the best naito ishii match my personal favorite is the Donataku match from from 2016? Was that where they wrestle for for the for the IWGP yes. title? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. That's mine too. That's my favorite one. So yeah, just just for like every, it's like everything about this, but like 
Naito try not no no Naito's obviously changed now. Naito's a little different. Uh, you know, the cheating and LIJ being involved, but like and like being like Ishii is like one big moment in the sun. Um, I guess until like the Kenny Omega IWGP title match, which like I my, I even said back then, like I kinda I, I wish that, that was like Ishii's only IWGP title shot. Right. Like, I wanted that to be it. Like Leave it all out there and just like you know he's gonna lose because he's Ishii, but like you know just like leave it all out there and he got he got his like one moment in the sun. But I w- that that's my that's my favorite and then I will like you know go with this. One. Yeah, this is probably number two for me as well. But this kicks ass and like you said, this is maybe maybe not maybe this match isn't like influential. Maybe nothing changes because of this match. But looking back on it, it feels like it is because it feels yeah, like it, it sets these guys in motion into going into what they become mm-hmm. like Ishii and I, I made I made this comment watching it it's like this is why like again like people getting popular and all this stuff is cool but you know there's a certain magic as to where like someone they don't win that often they aren't viewed as one of those kind of guys and like once Ishii started getting treated like more regularly like a regular mid-card like a regular upper tier mid-carder like that magic it exists it's gonna like Ishii's gonna have good ass matches either way because Ishii's gonna have good ass matches but like I miss the feeling of like caring when Ishii wins or I miss the feeling of caring when Ishii is like getting close to winning and like now if you beat somebody you don't really care you don't really notice it like oh he beat Kenny Omega Oh, he might he beat Tanahashi. Like, oh, he beat Okada. Like, he has these moments, but like when they keep happening and they like you know they lose impact. Like, you can't you're, you're gonna stop being surprised when he beats somebody because he beats people all the time. And I guess now I was still glad to be at a point and see this here where like Ishi like beating this guy that just main evented like you know co headlined the Tokyo Dome. He just beat him, clean as clean as a sheet. Like middle of the ring, just beat that guy. And, like, I remember how, like, exciting and refreshing that was. And, like, again, like, I'm still someone that thinks that Ishii's really good. And I think that people, like, if they don't like Ishii now, like, it's just because they're missing certain elements. Not that Ishii has changed. Not that Ishii's gotten better or worse. Like, he's the exact same guy. You just don't have that same emotional investment. And, like, I think, it like, for me, it was, it was really, like, take, like, you know, take a step back into the, into the time machine and really feel that emotional investment, like, flood back into me watching an Ishii match. Yeah, and I think that there was a time period after this where I burnt out on Ishii. Um, but, yeah, there's like, at this time, I was very much invested in what he was doing. And it's funny, because I, I think I got burnt out on him, and then I got back into him. And I'm not at the point where I'm like, you know, because there are people who still will, like, claim that Ishii is the best wrestler in the world, actually. And, 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 and you and you know what? I, oh, I, I don't I don't disagree with them. Like, hey man, like if you if you see that this guy for the last like you know seven years has done nothing but like bust his ass and like for the most part have like really good matches, then like, hey, like, I I can't disagree with that. I yeah, I definitely think I won't say that I. I in a similar I guess I feel similarly to what you're saying, but I don't it's not it's not my opinion, but I can understand right. it. It's like a 
if that's your taste, I get it because he's very good at what he does. And if what he does hits what you like, then he's probably the best at it. Yeah, like that. I think that that's a very fair thing to say. Like if if that's the kind of wrestling that you enjoy, Ishii's the best at it. Like he really is. Like, but you know, for me, it's not necessarily like the the apex of what I enjoy in 2020. Um, but yeah, but but that said, I mean, at this point right here, this was barely at the beginning of it, and this was a match that, like, at the time, I was, like, losing my fucking mind for. And again, it was, like, at a time when you weren't... I wasn't, at least, completely burnt out on, like, the New Japan style of match. I, I always hate to call, like, say that there's, like, a house style, you know? Like, I always feel like different wrestlers bring different things but it is like it's really tough to argue that there isn't a new no, japan style there's a, there's a house there's, there's a house like format i think maybe format will be will be will be better than like house style right for sure it's like because everybody does everybody does the style differently like ishii and abushi don't do it the same way that like okada and naito do it like right i feel i feel like you know tanahashi like he has his own way that he does the style like jay white like he's like a complete dojo boy you know kind of way so he's like learning from like you know he's watching like all these guys doing it but like you know i feel like like jay has his own version of it too like if you i think like i think format structure would be like would be like the better way to phrase it than like house style right. and i think that at the time it was really easy to overlook because okada showed up like a like a just kind of a, a bat out of hell I guess he just seemed to come from nowhere and he wins the title and then he really feels like he changes New Japan but looking at it in retrospect I kind of referenced it earlier with the the kind of dance partner thing compared to what, what Shibata does where, where the, the momentum gets cut off by a brick wall where it's like it completely makes sense when you think about the context that like Okada is a you know a dragon system guy and what he brought to New Japan was a style that was a lot more lucha influenced in a main event setting because there had always been lucha influence and lucha style stuff in New Japan in the juniors, but you hadn't seen it completely integrate into the main event style as much as you do until Okada shows up. And then it's it's done really well because it it uh, it still feels like heavyweight wrestling it doesn't feel like light heavyweight wrestling but it definitely has a lot more of the fluid nature of lucha wrestling um than you had ever really seen in main event new japan and that's probably a big part of why shingo shows up in new japan and then instantly becomes the best wrestler in the company because the how because he's like he's a perp he's the perfect hybrid of, of, of everything that we've like become like you know inclined with like as like the times change yeah like he really comes in and it's like oh yeah new the new japan kind of house format has really started to to turn into like kind of his you know the dragon gate style in a lot of ways yeah like yeah, yeah, like, I, like, yeah like i've done like i've done this for like like 13 years already exactly like, I, I could come do this right yeah, now perfect. <laughs> so yeah it was it's very funny to think about that because like it is really easy to overlook that connection but then when i when i watched this and i like kind of thought about all that stuff it's like oh yeah that's why <laughs> like that's why that shingo like it, it, it seamlessly it, joins in it makes it funny when people like were so worried about him coming into new japan i'm like the cream rises to the top for the most part right. like when it comes to wrestling like the cream really will, will really will rise to the top like shingo and like everything that he does like like this was what him walking into like it's like he like left 
uh, it was like he left one company, but he went to like one that was still owned by the like that was still like a subsidiary of the same company. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like, this, like he's going in to do the exact same thing that he's always done. <laughs> like, yeah. Kick ass, throw lariats, run really fast, bump his ass off, and be a nice, like, good, like, sneering heel. Yeah. That's all. That, that's all he has to do. Like, it was just so funny to me, like, to remember like all the concern about Shingo going in, like, doing something else, and it's just like. No, like, he he went to, like, the exact perfect spot. Yeah, and based like a motherfucker. I mean, this guy... Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I think that there's, uh, what's his name? Gringo Loco trying to claim that he's the base god, I think is uh, very disingenuous in a world where Shingo exists. I'll just say that. Or even just, like, any Dragon Gate guy. <laughs> also true. <laughs> um, but uh, follow this up. Main event of the evening... IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Um, is, is, this, is this the most forgotten, like, four, three, four star, like, match ever? Probably. But. Yeah, because both, both Ishii, Naito, and this both got uh, four and three quarters. Yeah, back to back. Dave gives these both four and three quarters. This was. I remember this was at the time period where there was a lot of talk about the again like the quality of wrestling in New Japan and it was like Dave basically yeah like signing off that like Naito and Okada are both these fucking phenomenal wrestlers you know because unfortunately at this time it was like everything was very driven by the the, the big names so it's like completely overlook Ishii and Goto being phenomenal um but like yeah, yeah it was just about like oh you know Naito and Okada they're both so good and you know that was like kind of the conversation here and it was like the crowd the, the you know the, the fans voted them to not being the main event at Wrestle Kingdom um, you know based on the star power because the two older stars in Tanahashi and, and Nakamura are just you know well established and people like them and they're you know they're big stars forever but actually Okada and Naito are the best wrestlers in the world and then they can take anybody and have phenomenal matches and having them, I mean, again, we talked about, I talked about it earlier, but having the split shows, you could have put their matches on different shows. But this is an mm-hmm. intentional comparison. You have these guys go back to back. You have these guys right both there. go about 20 minutes. And you really are doing a, like, who's better? This is a complete competition. This is building this rivalry between Okada and Naito that for six years later seven years later we have not really paid off they've had one again we talked about earlier they had one match at the tokyo dome and it crowned the first ever double champion and it was a big fucking deal but it was the finals of a tournament it was not built to it didn't have a bunch of background it was the result of matches that happened the night before right so Mm -hmm. it's like this rivalry was getting set up at this point the you know the Tokyo Dome before this you've got the big fan vote you talked about it how that sets everything up moving forward and you continue on and you they've been building this rivalry since and we still haven't ever really gotten a payoff like truly yeah. at this point we still haven't gotten like a big time main event match that feels like and, it's and, set and, up and, and it's great and it's great and it's crazy you say that because like to me like the match from this year is like. I think that's like one of the best matches of all time. Right. Like I think that's gonna go down as like, like the Masawa Kawada. I mean, not Masawa, Masawa Kabashi 
of like this generation of New Japan, like of this era. Like this was like this is the crown jewel. This is it. This is everything that we've been building for. This is this is the moment. Just how like Masawa Kabashi in two thousand three, like that was the moment for Noah. I feel I feel like that's this this is the moment that like New Japan fans like for the last like you know for the last five years have been waiting for like you had Okada and you had Okada like there and when he when he eventually like vanquishes Tanahashi like in theory that's that moment but like it's not what the fans wanted necessarily like the Noah fans wanted like Kobashi to like have that moment the New Japan fans wanted Naito to have that moment and like it's funny that like that moment happens and you're and you're still like hey like we they still have like unfinished business yeah which is great i mean that's that is why booking is so good but it's it's because i'm thinking about it and i'm putting myself back in that time and i remember when okada when okada first won the championship from tanahashi and he's getting and he got established and then eventually it felt like he was like fully established as the guy um for the era i remember and I think I, I may have said it on a podcast somewhere, but I do remember 100% thinking it, that it was like, Okada, the way that he came in and the way he rushed in and the way that he won the championship, it was like, okay, this is, he's now established as the guy, and he's also, like, in his 20s, and he's also going to basically move from here to continuing to feud with the older established generation until eventually guys his own age catch up to him. And that was, he won the championship two years before this. And we're talking about six years since this, this night happens. And we're finally getting to him feuding with guys from his own age range and his own generation. And it's like Naito is falling apart at the point where he finally catches up to him to being like as big of a star as him. And, uh, and it's again, like, like I was saying, like we don't have, I don't feel like we have, you know, there's still unfinished business between them. And I just looked it up and Naito is still like six years older than Okada. So realistically, like people Okada's age have not caught up to him yet. Yeah. They're they're, they're not even really peers. Yeah. Like like, Naito has been been around for a while. Yeah. Like, um, I think that like, you know, they're like, yeah, they're meant to be that kind of like pairing, like, you know, going into the future. Like, you know how Nak and Tanahashi had, Tanahashi had each other. It's supposed to be, Okada and Naito, and, and you see, like that age still exists. So, like the real, you know, um, comparison is supposed to be like Okada and like Sonata. Yeah, but like you know, we're still kind of treating Naito as if he's, like, you know, I, if you realize how old Naito is, we can almost like be treating Naito as if like he's like this young upstart kind of stuff. Right, he's just barely getting caught up. But it, it is like Evil is a year older than Okada. Evil just yeah. won the championship for the first time, so we're still. Barely getting that, 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 that more that more puts in perspective just how insane like Okada's push in like run yeah. is like he's lapped everybody in his, like that is his that's in his age group and has lapped them twice right <laughs> they're barely they're gonna start catching up to him soon and then we'll then we'll get to that where it's like Okada is finally you know feuding with the guys that are in his age range and his generation and. It's going to be interesting to to see where it goes from there because he's not the champion now and he feels like he's being defocused, but it's like anytime they want to pull the trigger, he's the champion again and he's the top guy again. So it was a really smart move the way that they went with him. He's definitely panned out. He's, he's, you know, 
some kind of wrestling prodigy that just like only TNA could not appreciate how good he is. Like it's and and, and that makes sense because it's the only company that could really fail. And, you know, a, a guy a guy that can like have his last match before excursion be against Tanahashi. I no TNA just like yeah I don't, yeah I just don't know. I don't know what to do with this guy. Um, so yeah, um, going back going back to the match well, itself. Like, let's get into sure the match like, in general because we haven't even talked about it basically. Yeah, I want yeah I want to say like. Okada, like you know, Goto like has had like a couple of like throughout his career, like has had a few like really incredible IWGP like challenges, and this is like you know you know at least like at this point one one of the long line of all his like unsuccessful challenges, but like I feel like it's at least on the tier of like like you know Goto versus Tanahashi from like. 2011, like, like you know, Goto, like, when the big lights are on, for the most part, Goto steps the fuck up, and, like, we'll always have the exception of when he, like, did all that build, and, like, Samurai Goto, and all this kind of shit with the white gear and everything, just to lose Okada. <laughs> Excuse me. And, You're um, boring yourself to sleep. I know. <laughs> did, like, just, like, just, like, just to lose to Okada, and... Like join chaos, but if you look at Goto's track record for the most part, from like you know Wrestle King from Wrestle Kingdoms to big to to like the bigger title matches, Goto usually shows up. And like I'm not sure he he ever really is gonna get the credit he deserves for like how consistent he is of a big match guy. Definitely, and Goto is Goto is one of the 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 people who like when I was kind of talking about like fitting your style and working to a way that makes sense and you know it's you and that's why it makes sense like and that's why it stands out like Goto is unfortunately someone who like suffers from the opposite thing is that Goto I don't feel like has ever once come across like authentically working Goto and being himself but the 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 thing about it is because he's just so fucking good at adapting to everyone around him that it's like he can wrestle anyone and he can be amazing with them as a dance partner for them and 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 really bring it and not like just a oh this is a utility guy who could do whatever like he can legitimately be like a top level worker in whatever style he wants to do with whatever person he wants to be in there with and that's like kind of the problem that stops him from ever standing out because he never feels like authentically he's being himself weirdly like he's just like got this weird identity crisis where i don't know like can you think of like when goto really feels like that's it that's where he clicks he's being just goto 100 percent. it's like no like he's really good with anyone and he can like face anyone and he's phenomenal and he's so good that's what you're saying like he's gonna be overlooked for how good he really is I, th- I think the thing about Goto is that, like, because he's been so, like, malleable, like, throughout his, like, entire career, like, he starts off, he starts off as a junior, he's just, like, he's a smaller guy, he buffs up, and now he's, like, this big, like, powerhouse dude, so, like, we don't have a, we don't know who Goto is, because, like, Goto has, like, changed, like, there's, like, no, like, set idea of what Goto as a wrestler looks like, because he's been these different things, like, we know what Tanahashi looks like, Tanahashi's been, like, pretty much the same thing that he's been since 2004, like we like we know that we know what Okada's been. Okada's been the same guy since he came back. Goto is one of the rare cases where like 
his style like actually developed and changed as his like body changed and he got older and all that kind of stuff and like I think that's part of why like Goto like might not ever click with people the same way that the others do because like on some level on some level even if he's been a bigger guy for some time now we don't we still don't know what to what to do or say about Goto yeah yeah I mean that's it it's just the guy just he doesn't have a unique personality he doesn't have like like you're talking about this match right here standing out as one of the like one of his signature challenges for the IWGP championship and this match is great and this he he's there every step of the way with Okada and then he's got a similar level of quality match with with Tanahashi he's got you know the the feud the rivalry plus the the tag team stuff with Shibata where it's like very different style where he matches up with Shibata then you talk about like junior heavyweight stuff like you know like being able to to um to like match up toe to toe with like a ton of different wrestlers like even as a junior heavyweight and then heavyweight tag team trios everything like he's just so good all around that like I said he just he feels like a guy who's never stood out and you know, I don't understand Japanese, so I can't say 100%, but he does, it does remind me of, like, someone like Roderick Strong, where it's, like, you know, a guy that would get completely overlooked and then has this, like, big signature run as a heel champion in PWG that then, like, completely frames him in a different way for the rest of his career. And it's like, Goto never really got to have that standout, like, personal achievement thing ever. So, I don't know, maybe someday... I think it's too late. Like, do you think that there's any chance that he ever, like, does anything more than this? Because I, I just think it's too late. I think, I think this is it. And I think that he's a guy that historically people can maybe look back on and see, like, how quality he was as a performer and overlook, like, kind of the context of everything. But I do think that it's going to take, like, maybe a generation or two away when people can, like not think of him in terms of like where he was positioned on a card and where he was compared to the people around him and literally just appreciate him for the quality of his work. No, I, I feel like this is like, this is what it is with him. And if he ever like, you know, gets to do other stuff and feel important, then like, he's gonna knock it out the park. Like what do you got? Like, you know, him versus Minoru Suzuki at uh whatever else came that was and like, like stealing the show. Like, he like he's a guy that's gonna show up and like, you know, you might not expect it, but he's a guy that like he he has that in him. He's a guy. He's still a very good wrestler. Like, you know, we we, we kind of gloss over him when we went to the G one, but like, you know, he's a guy that's gonna go up against you no, know, to to Naito. Him and Naito have good chemistry. Him and Zach have good chemistry. Him and Juice have good chemistry. Like, I think him and Kenta can have a really good match. Like, I he's a guy that even just now we still like gloss over and like. You know, like of course, like theoretically, like, I will, I would love to see him get more credit for like how good he is. Like, I think because he isn't a star, people just kind of like like the gloss over him. But like, he kind of gets he he does things that you know, you know, I'm not sure if Okada would be able to do or if Tanahashi would be able to do. Like, you know, like, we're seeing like the Golden Aces tag team now, but like, you know, like they're not great as a tag team. They're fun, like you know. Goto's a really good tag team guy. He like he he's he's a legitimately good tag team guy. Goto has worked main events. Goto has 
worked mid card. Goto has like done all this stuff. Like I, I, I see value in Goto just because like he's like one of the true one of the few people in New Japan who's like really worked like all the way up and down the card. Yeah, there's definitely no argument for that, and it's like there is still stuff that he does to this day that harkens back to his junior heavyweight days, which is very funny to think about. Like, the um the code red off the top, he has, like, a weird name for that move, but it's, like, yeah. that's a junior heavyweight spot, and he still does it to this day. And, like, that's a weird thing to and think like, about. Still does, still, still does it, like, amazingly yeah, well. Yeah, it's, it's always looks super or like his, like his Or, like, his rolling, his rolling kick in the corner. Like, like again, yeah. like, he, like he was just never he was just never champ this year, like winning it winning it from Kenta. That match fucking ruled. Like I, I just like I just forgot about I just forgot about that match until just <laughs> now. Like him and Kenta rule from from this year. Yeah. Like him and like him and Go him and Shingo from New Beginning was really good. Like this is still a great wrestler, and like you know like I'm not sure to this like because like we've had like such big personalities come out of this come out of this like era. Like we've had like real legends like top 100 wrestler of all time candidate level guys yeah. from Tanahashi to Nakamura to Naito Ibushi Okada like guys like come through like guys like come through like you know an Ishii being a show stealer kind of thing like a Shingo coming in and being a show stealer Will Ospreay coming in and like really like you know put in like, really like coming in and like earning everything um like these guys Oh, you know Shibata, like and how Shibata like went out went out on his sword. Like, there's all these like iconic names already throughout like this like associated with, associated with this era of New Japan, and like sadly, before you like you like there's a lot of guys that you get to when you think of New Japan in the 2010s before you get to Goto. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's a really great way to put it, and it is. In some ways, it's probably unfair because I think that if you look at it just based on the numbers, like, 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 I think I think I would say Minoru Suzuki before I say Goto. Right. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, and it's like yeah, like I said, if you just if, or as I was saying, like if you just look at it like on the numbers and just consistency, Goto probably smokes a lot of those people that you mentioned as like someone yeah. who's always been there who can be so like diversive on the card who can work anyone who can always bring it in every situation who doesn't have any major layoffs who's basically worked for like decades straight of just being like solid like can you remember a long time goto like like missing action like not really no he's had like like, like people like, i think people would like like mention kushida first before they mentioned like right. goto's best matches like you know like like it sucks, but like that's just what it is with this guy. Yeah, like, I mean that's there are people that just have that, that just have bigger fan bases, have been involved in bigger things, are just more iconic, have like it, whatever it is, and like Goto will just never have that. But like you know, we have to rely on the truth, and that's why we like do things like this. So like when we go and do the best of the decade, or like the best wrestlers ever, like someone like a Goto was gonna like fare pretty well with this kind of stuff in time. Because, like, when you go back and watch it, it's like, oh, shit, like, Goto's really fucking good. Yeah. Well, when you, yeah, when you're not accounting just for, like, being caught up in the moment and marking out for everything else, it's like, yeah, who's consistently there? Who's delivering? But what you mentioned there reminded me of a point that I wanted to get into before we close it out for the night, because I know we're already getting late. But this was one thing that I can't, I can't leave without talking about, which is looking up and down this card... And 
you talked about it, but it's like this is not the only new beginning this year. There's also new beginning in Hiroshima that happened. Was it the night before, or was it? Uh, it was like it was like might have been like two days before. Two days before. Uh, let me see. Uh, yeah, two days before. All right, so we have another big show the night before. It's not as much of a like a brand split situation because a lot of the same people work both nights, but just think about the fact that like this is like not necessarily you're putting on your like best possible show with all of your best talent working to their maximum here, but you are like you have all of your talent here. But basically the thing that popped into my head was a lot of people go really crazy for and talk about and give awards to best booker of the year repeatedly over and over again to Gato at this time period, you know, Jado and Gato. Um, cause that's, that's a weird thing about that, right? That it's like Jado and Gato, but I think that, but I think that his name yeah, is Jado. So I think it's, Jado, it's supposed to be like Jado and I, I think know, it's supposed man. to be Jado and Jado. Either way. Um, it feels like you should say it. So it would rhyme either way. Um, a lot of credit gets given to them for booking, but it's like, look at this card and compare this to like the way that people talk about the Attitude Era where you had Stone Cold and The Rock, two legendary wrestlers at the same time. Oh my God. And like a lot of people talk about how like a boom periods and like hot periods don't come from booking. They come from big time major standout stars who just like hit at the right time. And then that's what really gets people's attention. It's not, it doesn't matter what you do really booking. Like you can't make something like that happen. And and again, like people talk about the attitude era and like, Oh, the rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin at the same time. What are the chances you have the two biggest stars in the history of wrestling? And you have both of them at the same time, which is very impressive for America. But you look at this roster in new Japan and you tell me how there's any booker who could fuck this up. I think you would have to go out of your way to fuck up the what they have right here. Because right now you have, like... And, and this is not revisionist history. These people were clicking at the top of their abilities at this time. I, I, I do want to say, though, that it's like... Like, it's easy to say that when, like, you know, like, you, gotta, you still got to put those guys in a position as to where, like, you know they feel comfortable and like you know the fans are accepting them so like the talent might be there you know like you know like going like going through this like you know just 2014 and you know not not even mentioning all the talent that would like you know walk through the doors like you know not that like not that soon after that not that not that uh far after this but like Kota Ibushi Minoru Suzuki Yuji Nagata uh Tetsuya Naito Ishii, Alex Shelley, Kushida, uh, Taguchi, the Jacksons, uh, Prince Devitt, Goto and Shibata, uh, Okada, Tanahashi Nakamura. Like, you know, there was still work that had to be done with these with these guys. They, but, but I understand your point. Like, you had to like monumentally fuck up in order to like you know have some of these guys like not at least like you know be like stars. But I do think that like you know. It still like it still takes like a certain a certain amount of like work in belief and like not giving up. I think that's the thing that like I'll always give like you know Gato. I'm, I'm just gonna keep saying Gato, yeah. but like I, I like I think that's like why I keep giving him that. It's like nothing ever like threw him off course or discouraged him. Like 
he never gave up on Naito. I think he like eased up in 2014, but like once he felt Naito, once he felt comfortable going back to Naito, he went he went and did it. He didn't give up. He didn't give up on AJ Styles. Like after AJ, uh, you know, didn't really do that well in his first, in his first couple of shows. He stuck with it, and AJ wound up being a really good investment. He didn't give up on Kota Ibushi when Kota Ibushi wanted to play both sides of the fence, and like when Kota left to go fuck around, he welcomed Kota back, and eventually Kota won the G1, and Kota like main evented one of the Dome shows. Like, I think more than um, like I guess like the actual booking other things are booking the shows I think I give more credit for the fact that like a lot of other bookers like can be a little bit more reactionary and I think that these guys Gato if there's more people involved like whatever like I think that at least them like they're good because like they don't let that shit bother them like they're gonna stick through the plan you know be stubborn about it and plant their foot and like we're gonna we're gonna try to make this work same thing with Jay White Jay White you know, he had a rough start with the Wrestle Kingdom match against Tanahashi. You stuck with it. You gave him some time. You let him develop. And next thing you know, you have a guy that's like arguably the best heel in wrestling. And I, at least for that, I have, to, I have to give him the credit there because you can, like, the talent can be there as much as it is, but you need to, like, work into making the audience accept that and putting those guys in the right positions. And even if New Japan puts them in the wrong position at first, they're better than, like, almost any company ever at like readjusting that's i mean that's a really good way to put it and i i actually am like somewhat swayed by that because i i do think that people are i did think that people were like giving much too much credit for for jado just based on what level of talent he had but i also think that while you're correct in the time period i think that historically it's crazy to think about like that that's where we're at now because historically bookers promoters all that stuff should be not getting in the way of this level of talent and i think that that's why i think that's why jado gets so much credit is because people see how many bookers in recent history and like this is a really you know me being like a little bit dancing around it just to say like vince mcmahon fucking sucks he's a shitty booker and a shitty promoter and i don't want to just like shit on wwe in general because i think that there's a lot of other bad promoters recently like wcw and everything that happened there was very bad but i do think that like if you looked at the history of wrestling there's not a lot of other promoters bookers who would be able to fuck up this roster and that is coming from someone who's not a native Japanese speaker who doesn't understand most of it. So I can't say, like, how good these guys are at promos. I can just base it on how much the crowd reacts to their promos and how over they seem to be on the mic based on, like, what they do when they do cut promos. But it's like, if you took this, like, early 2010 New Japan roster and you gave them to, like, Jerry Jarrett... I think that you would still have, like, the biggest wrestling company on the planet. Because it's, like, it's hard to get in the way of this. And I think that that's, like, basically kind of my point when I was talking about that is, like, I think that a lot of people are taught to, like, give credit to bookers who don't get in the way of talent because so many bookers at this point in time do and they just don't know how to, like, fucking get out of their own way that, like, you forget that that's not how wrestling was historically done. Of course, but at the same time, it's like there's like risk. Like right. AJ AJ coming in in 2014, like 
regardless of like how we feel about AJ and how we always knew how talented AJ was, like AJ's a nobody in Japan. No one knows who the fuck AJ Styles is. He's just like he's just a random white dude. Like, but like they stuck with that as to where like by the time like you fast forward two years later and AJ's like you know doing his farewell, like he's in fucking Herc like Herc and Hall shaking at the reception that he's getting from the from the Japanese audience. Like, like that like that to me is like the role the role of the Booker. Like, you see that like this guy is like there's potential here and it's raw and like this may not take right away. We're like, this is going to be like sort of an experiment, but like right there, you see that like, okay, that experiment like worked better than like, I think anybody could have made that experiment work because we see AJ styles, like the all time great level of talent that he is. What other people saw, what WWE saw, they didn't see a guy that was a, that would have been, that was even worth like, you know, decent money by what, but for, by what he was asking for at that point in time. A guy that like you know he wanted to he wanted to come back to TNA and TNA wasn't giving him the money that he wanted. Like it was all like New Japan that like saw him in that way, and like I think for that more than like a lot of things like if you want to say that he like wanted to waited too long to pull the trigger on Shibata, then like you know I can understand that. If you if you think that he waited too long to pull the trigger on Naito's eventual big win, then sure. But like I think that something like. AJ Styles and like Gato being the only one that saw that kind of value in AJ speaks to like yeah he gets credit for like getting out the way and just letting the talent be the talent but he has an eye for talent that I think a lot of people like you know wrestling promoters can be fucking dumb and despite AJ Styles is like being one of the best wrestlers in the world at certain points like people were being dumb and he was the one guy that was like AJ Styles like he's free fuck yeah bring him over here yeah well, and it's funny to think about because when AJ did his like tour of Japan, tour of the world, like when he they were trying to, do you remember this at the time when they were doing the AJ Styles title run in TNA where he le- lost his contract? They were trying to do a better version of the WWE Summer of Punk. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember. He that. defended the title not in New Japan. He defended the TNA title in Wrestle One against Sonata. <laughs> <laughs> who is yeah but yeah I remember that match. yeah which was good at the time but it's very funny to think that like he didn't even like make his connection to New Japan at that time where they were like oh yeah th- yeah we should bring him in because like we had him here and he was you know did that TNA thing it was like no like yeah like you said Jado knew like oh yeah we saw this guy when he came over during the TNA stuff like fucking five years ago at that point um let's uh let's bring him in probably longer than five years ago actually but either way it was like yeah it was like five years ago this guy came here and he like he's really good we should bring him back and and just give him the championship basically on his first night in um which ended up working out and like you said they stuck with it and they made something out of it um or or or, or even like um what the, what the hell was the example i was about to, i was about to go with now just now Ah oh, shit! I just, I just, no. I just missed no. it. No, but, but uh, yeah. But it was like, I think, I think for me, that like, maybe, maybe bookers do get too much credit, but like Kenny, like Kenny Omega, like Kenny Omega, right? Like, ROH, ROH had Kenny Omega. Yes. Like, they they had him, and they just you know they like you know I think was Cornette coming in by this point. I'm pretty yeah. sure. And Cornette wasn't a really big fan of him. Cornette didn't see that in him. You know, when DDT, like, you know, 
DDT embraced them because he embraced their philosophies and he had like a, like a similar thought process and approach to wrestling, but like he wasn't the top guy in DDT either. Like he was, you know, oh. there was Ibushi, there's Hiroshima, there's Kudo. Like, you know, like he's not even the top guy in DDT either. And DDT like really believed in Kenny and loved him. Like you go to New Japan and like, I'm not saying that like, they made they made him into a star because Kenny was already like, you know, he made him into Budokan. Like, Kenny was already, like, a known and hot commodity within Japanese wrestling, but, like, through, like, you know, you know their platform and their belief in, like, Kenny and Kenny Omega, what he does, like, Kenny Omega overnight is, like, the hottest star in all of wrestling. Like, I think, like, you know, and, and the talent speaks for itself there. You can say that, like, Kenny Omega always had that kind of talent, but, like, did any, like, had, did anyone before that believe in Kenny Omega enough to, like, give him that platform like i don't know yeah yeah that's I, that's fair i'm i'm trying to remember the roh thing and i feel like there's a connection but now i'm remembering and i'm like kenny was on hdnet and hdnet was primarily booked by a, um uh adam pierce so i'm trying to remember but i don't i don't think that was cornet but but i, but I cornet comes in comes in during soon. the hdnet period that's why i'm like i think he's in there but he's not like the head booker. It like transitions. It transitions to him and then Delirious. But then it's both of them. Anyways, that doesn't matter. Whoever wants to correct us, they sure can. I guess they can tell us like the timeline that it should be. Um, either way, I I get where you're coming from. I I still think that there's like there's like this modern slant to it where it's like bookers nowadays don't know how to get out of their own fucking way and they just like want to stick with what they think is good <laughs> rather than what's actually good or what's over it's not even about what's good it's about what the fans like should be the point um but before we go you tell me what you think about this we don't have to do it if you don't want to but sup grab southern underground pro they're running a show in about a month and i just want to run down the card a little bit because i'm excited about it what do you think Okay, let's go. Let's do it right. real quick. Uh, tag team match: Two Infinity and Beyond versus Violence Forever. That match kicks ass on paper, right? Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. Um, Jake Something versus O'Shea Edwards. Battle Battle of the Beef. These motherfuckers are both phenomenal. I love both that's, these guys. Yeah, that's, that's that's a good. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good ass hoss fight. Um, Nolan Edwards versus AJ Gray. Like. Ooh, that's going to geez, be nasty. That's, that's, that's good. Deathmatch AJ versus Nolan Edwards, who's always been like kind of deathmatch hardcore adjacent. If they bring any of that violence into the fucking, um, I'm trying to remember, I don't even the basement, the basement East. If that's even where the show is, I don't even know if it is because I don't. Th- I, 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 I think I think it's an yeah. I don't think you can run shows indoors. It, I especially don't think you can run shows in a basement right now during COVID. It's probably pretty dangerous. But either way, if these guys bring the fucking deathmatch violence that they're known for at this point, especially AJ, this shit's gonna be fucking crazy. Even if it's not a deathmatch, if it's just a fight, it's gonna be badass. AJ Mack versus one called Manders. I mean, obviously you got a shitty heel. And he's in sup, so he's a hundred percent heel against a badass. I think I think I think Manders is winning that. I match. could see Manders winning, winning the Bone Storm title here. Probably, I think it's probably only for the Bone Storm title. I could see Manders winning it. He's a he's become maybe, over very maybe, over in sup. Maybe I don't know. I feel like you know with the uh, with the with the breaking things. Maybe you don't want to do that. You want to like you know kind of like you know get everything back to normal kind of before you do a title switch. But like at the same time, I could see wanting to make it like. Make a big splash yeah. and be like, hey, like, 
fuck it, we're like we're here. Yeah, and I could see resetting, like you said, getting back to normal. I think that there's nothing more normal than like Sup getting back to having an ass kicking champion, because historically Sup's yeah. champion has always been an ass kicker, and AJ Gray or AC Mack has been like outside of the norm for them. So going back to an ass kicking champion would make sense. And Manders is an ass kicker. Um, Eric Stevens versus Brett Eisen. This is this match. I think anywhere else would not be very good, but this match in Sup, I think has the ability to be very like great because Brett Eisen in, right. in sup is phenomenal. So if we get that, you know, old school Brett Eisen in sup badass against like, uh, Eric Stevens, like being all of his fucking strong style that he can bring, I think we can have a decent match here. Um, alley cat versus De- Davina. I've seen her before. I think she Davian. Davian. That's it. Yeah. I think uh, Davian is a hard hitter. I've seen her a few times before, and I like her style for like being a. She does. I've seen. I've seen her on Limitless, and I think she's uh, she's she's been. I think I think I've seen her on. What what the fuck was I think? Queens of Combat. I've seen, yes. I've seen her on Queens yes. Of yes. Yeah. So I think if she can bring that like hard hitting, kind of physical style here, Alley Cat can be hit or miss when it comes to physical stuff i think that she's she can be good at it she also is like sometimes doesn't feel like in oh, the mood oh, they've they worked they've oh they've worked they've worked together okay. before if they have history they were they were they were, yeah they've, they've worked on uncharted territory yeah and if they beat the shit out of each other like they, i know that they can and this can be a lot of fun um jaden newman versus anthony henry now this oh this is this is great yeah. this is perfect this is great yeah yeah, this is perfect looking. Right yeah, because on paper, like I've always, I thought that Jaden Newman was really good heel, and I was really surprised by how good of a face he became um, for the for the recent SCI tournament, especially. But yeah, he's going up against the the number one Southern wrestling heel for my money in Anthony Henry. I think that for at least like working yeah. heel, like. AC Mack, like as far as like the promos, he has that under control. But as far as like once we get in the ring and like mm-hmm. you have to like show that shit in your work, like of course, like Henry is like yeah. Unmatched for there. grumpy veteran Southern style heel, there's nobody better than Anthony Henry. And then you've got the other side of it where you've got the plucky baby face Southern style Jaden Newman. I think this is this is the kind of match you you're definitely very very much looking forward to. And I don't know if it's the main event, but it's the last match on the card that they've posted out lee moriarty versus dan makabe mentioned both guys already earlier in the podcast and i definitely am super amped for this i will say that if people think that maybe makabe isn't ready for this because he's you know he's had a major layoff he hasn't wrestled in a long time moriarty's fresh this is the thing you have to understand that daniel makabe since day one his very first wrestling match He's been prepared for Tiger style because Daniel Makabe has done nothing but wrestle Tigers. In his very first wrestling match, he wrestled against a Tiger, and every year since then, he's always wrestled against Scott Henson, who is a Tiger. So he is prepared for the Tiger style. But this match is uh, insane on paper, am I right? Yeah, this is... Man, I, I, I this, all this car is really good, but obviously that Lee Moriarty versus Daniel Makabe is like that's like this that's for us. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? like that's the that's the exact kind of shit that we want to see like immediately. Yeah, I am 
I'm like, I'm tempted to, I don't know if this is going to stream live, but I'm like tempted to be online trying to see updates to see the like results for the show. That's how excited I am, but I also want to see the match unspoiled. So hopefully it's streaming live. We'll see. Cause yeah, this is, this is like major bait for us. Cause these are like two of the best wrestlers in the world as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Uh, no, argue, no argument of that out of me and you know I haven't seen Dan in a, in a while like I really want to see like uh, that, that's an interesting thing about like this about this quarantine stuff is like you know for certain people I want to see if they like pick up any new tricks and like you know knowing Dan like as much of like a like a like a stout like wrestling viewer as he is and all, and all that stuff like I wonder if he like you know if he picked up any new tricks so like Lee Moriarty like knowing that he's such a student of the game that he pick up pick up any new tricks like I wonder about that kind of stuff as we're getting into people trying to like you know get back to normal yeah yeah i mean if you could imagine two wrestlers who are more prepared for this match than those two and just think of what they're going to bring to the table you know it's going to be insane all right but after previewing that i think we're about ready i think we're about to be ready to go yeah right? definitely we've uh we've definitely outstayed our welcome for the week um Appreciate anyone who's listening. You know, we always we always think it's gonna you know, we always think it's gonna be a short show yeah. and it just doesn't go that way. someday, someday we'll do a quick show. Either way, Quentin, um, do you have anything that you want to uh, tell the people about before we go? Uh, no, I'm just you know expect some psychology is dead maybe very soon. Just keep just putting just putting that out there. Uh, trying to do a couple of episodes before we get to the year end stuff. So, you know, be on the lookout for some psychology as that episode in the near future. Yeah, thank, th- thank you all for listening. I hope you're here next time. <laughs> Thing to do.